You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. Ah, got him. That should keep the first order off our backs. Nice work, Paul. Tim, are we set to make the jump? Yep. The end of the prime in accordance with the rendezvous are set. All right. Strap in and let's get this intel delivered to the resistance. Punch it! You're listening to Star Wars. The saga continues. Your hosts, Kyle Avery, Tim Jirasi, and Paul Herman, are scouring the holonet for news and bringing you all of the latest updates on the future of the Star Wars universe. And the future is bright indeed. So we invite you to join us on this exciting journey as the saga continues. Hey there, Star Wars fans, and welcome back to another episode of Star Wars The Saga Continues and the final installment in our saga commentary series. We're doing our commentary tonight for Star Wars Episode Nine: The Rise of Skywalker, bringing our whole journey of these Star Wars saga commentaries full circle. As always, I'm your host, Kyle, and I've got my co-host, Tim and Paul, with me. How's it going, guys? What's up, guys? Glad we had one more commentary left to do because it's been a few months now since we did our one for The Last Jedi leading up to the release of The Rise of Skywalker, but I've missed doing them (laughs) these last few episodes, so I'm glad we got definitely one more in the bank to do, and who knows the other Star Wars content we might do commentaries for, but at least for the movies, we got one more, and needless to say, I'm excited to do this one, so it should be lots of fun. Yeah, I mean, no no promises, but, you know, maybe a Siege of Mandalore commentary or something like that isn't totally out of the question. That's true. Yeah, as as everyone knows, this was the one I was looking forward to. If If I had to go back and listen to the commentaries, I know the last one we did was Last Jedi, and we hadn't seen this yet, and I was very nervous, but I was very hopeful that it, you know, it conclude uh, the trilogy with with a, uh, a satisfactory ending for me. And, and obviously, if you listen to this podcast, you know that I freaking love this movie to death. And uh, I'm actually really excited to talk about it and, and, and discuss it, and I can't wait to get into it. So, yeah, I'm, I'm ready to go. I got my got my these uh they're called sweet smarts. Hold on, what are they called? They're called yeah, sweet smarts. They're like eighty calories a bag. They're not bad, but like gummy candy. So it's like super low calorie. I got those ready with me. Got my diet coke and a cup, literal cup measurement of caramel corn ready to go. So <laughs> I got my nice. semi yeah a semi diet ready uh little snack for my my whole two hours and 21 minutes of uh of movie here so i'm ready to go even though kyle hates this movie but uh i don't you know hate this movie i know <laughs> i kyle i, I said i want to say for the audience with our last episode people might think like do you guys like you know maybe do you guys like argue or you know, argue so much you guys get mad at each other i know for me I just love the fact that me and Cal could just go at it. I really do. And you I just know what? And I do too. I actually enjoy that. Like, and I feel like it, it, it has to be the right person 
because yes. you know some people and and obviously you have to know the person too like if i were having that argument with somebody on twitter that i'd never met i'd probably think like oh this guy's real arrogant and you know just <laughs> or, or bickering or whatever i'm not saying you come across that way i'm just saying you, you know if, if you yeah, get in yeah. the, an argument with somebody and you don't know like their intention or their character or whatever like that's just you're only seeing one side of them whereas when you know them as a person and you're just agree disagreeing on something that you're both passionate about i love that and i love that we can get in yeah. heated debates about star wars and then you know, just go back to agreeing on the stuff it's that we fun. do love and still being friends about it. And yeah, yeah, no, it's great. I, it's, it, it's really great. And I, and I've always, I've always had this, those kinds of relationships with my, my best friends where we just argue and argue. And because the thing is we may not ever change our opinions, but honestly it strengthens what we each believe usually. Meaning like it gives us an idea when we hear the other argument, we can at least understand and go, well, I don't think that because of this or maybe you never thought of like the angle that you brought to me or, or vice versa. It helps us kind of, you know, think about, well, what do I say to that? Because I, I still love this movie. But if Kyle brings up this point, what does that mean? Because I don't hear I don't know everyone's perspective because you can't. You can't argue uh, someone's opinion necessarily, you know, but you can kind of say, well, you know, if you don't like this, what if you thought of it this angle? And that's what me and you always usually do with Last Jedi and with, you know, and with Rise of Skywalker. And I love the fact that it's just even though we may never change our opinions on it, it only strengthens what we think about the movie that we love or whatever we're defending or whatever. It only strengthens that. And I think that's not a bad thing either. And so. Yeah, I, I think this movie is something that, you know, I hope that I always hope in, in given time you'll love it more. And, and, and to be honest, I like The Last Jedi a lot more because of Rise of Skywalker. And we'll, we'll get in, we'll get into that in a second. But, yeah, I just want to say people understand that I, I love the push Kyle's buttons. Kyle knows that. And if he's, he evades it pretty well, too. He's not bad. He's he's one of the better friends I know that can evade my, my pressing of buttons. So, uh Anyway, you do you do you handle me well, Kyle. I'll give you that. I try, not, I try. Yeah, you do well. You do well. So I'm ready to go when you guys are. Yeah, me too. Um, and yeah, and you know, for the sake of our commentaries, we usually keep these pretty fun. And I mean, we'll we'll definitely get into some probably some good discussion and, and back and forth. But um, especially after our last episode, I'm like, I don't want to have the same argument all over again. So oh um, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, well, at least I'm gonna try to. I mean, I, I definitely obviously have things in this movie that I'm critical of, but I'm not coming in here ready to, to tear it a new one. Um, and there's stuff that I enjoy in here as well. And I'll probably, I, you know what, I'm assuming I'll enjoy it more just talking to you guys about it because this is always fun doing these. So um, as always, we are, you know, we've got our movie queued up. Uh, if you're watching it on Blu-ray and stuff, you know, skip past all the, the FBI warnings and don't pirate it and yada, yada, yada. Um and we're starting on the main chapter at the zero out of uh, 220. I think it's for you guys, it's 221. I'm actually watching it on digital and it's 222, but uh, we're starting in the same place. So as always, for the final time, for now, until we have more Star Wars movies mm -hmm. or we decide to do some Clone Wars commentaries because we're bored or whatever. Uh, or Ewok movies. Mm, those actually <laughs> would be really fun to do I, like i wish we could do commentaries of those with me watching them for the first time and have it be like we a live can. reaction episode well see here's the problem though when we do these i mean obviously we're all talking on skype and then we're all watching the movie muted in front of us but we all know these movies uh, and so you don't need yeah, to hear yeah. it but i don't want to watch something muted for the first time watching it 
What, how about this? Really quick, what we could do is you could wear it with earbuds, have one ear in, because it's whatever. The sound's not going to be the ma- that great anyway, right? But you can at least listen to it with one earbud, and you can you know have your reaction, and we can kind of go off of your reaction. We can figure it out. We, we'll, we'll talk. We'll talk. I Yeah, I thought we could, you know, we, we could play around with it. That's another possibility. But... The- Again, for right. now, this is this is our final <laughs> commentary in the Skywalker saga. There you um, go. There you go. All right, so here we go. As always, uh, we're gonna go on punch it. So starting the movie in three, two, one, punch it. And we're off. I can't help but think of Poe's line in this movie as we're doing our last commentary, mm. last commentary recording episode, maybe forever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Poe's probably like I love Poe. It's my favorite time with Poe. I think in this movie or is in this or in the trilogy is in this, in this movie. But I don't love him in the X wing at the very end. But we'll get to that in a second. Oh, see, I, I love him so much more in Force Awakens. I think that's my second favorite. I have to say, I know I've said this before many, a million times, but I think for Episode Nine to actually be titled "The Rise of Skywalker," I think it's a brilliant title. I'm wearing my Rise of Skywalker shirt. And I agree. Yeah, and, I do love the title. And also the dead speak here. Yep, I was just going to say that. Boy, it, it, this is one of my favorite uh, crawls, too. I mean, I know it's kind of controversial, but the dead speak, exclamation point, that feels like a Lucas thing to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I loved a little, when describing Palpatine here, it harkens back to some of the titles of the prequel. Like right here, it says, In Search of the Phantom Emperor, and mentioning, I believe it was earlier, his revenge. So, harking back to Phantom Menace and Revenge of the Sith, obviously. So, I'm not sure if that was intentionally put there by JJ or Cristario when writing the crawl, but that's how I took it as far as little nods to the different titles that the Emperor has had throughout the course of the saga. But I just remember after reading that crawl, man, I was ready to go for this movie. Obviously, <laughs> I was ready for it no matter what, but just reading the crawl and the description of and the picture it was painting for where everyone was at right now and how Kyla was already in search for Palpatine. I just thought it was a great way to get things going and just made me at the edge of my seat right at the beginning. Just, okay, I'm here for this. Let's go. Yeah, this is a great opening. I love, well, I love the fact that we're back on Mustafar. I wish the movie kind of made this a little clearer. Like it looks like it from space, but this whole thing with the trees and everything, Mm. um, I don't know, but it is a cool concept to see that it's actually like changed over the years since the fall of Vader and, and these native guys have actually started uh, trying to, to bring life back into it. Um, but then of course we just start with Kylo on a rampage, slashing people, slamming people going all the out. Moonwalk. The moonwalk <laughs> yeah. is so incredible. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I, but seriously, legitimately it, it's ridiculous, but awesome at the same time. Now I, I think with this whole scene, I love the fact that what, what they're trying to do with him going to Mustafar, I wish, like you guys said, it was a little clearer. And also, I wish we got the, the deleted scene of the weird baby spider thing. I, I really Oracle. wish we got that. Yeah. See, I, I, I could do without that, but I do wish we that we'd actually seen Vader's castle. Yeah, I was uh, going to say. Or the ruins of it, anyway. Yeah, because that's the whole thing. The Wayfinder was in the ruins of Vader's castle. Yeah, you know? it's supposed and to be the to ruins, get... but you don't really see anything that, you know, that leads you to believe that, aside from just that thing that he pulls it out of. And also, the, that was the first time we ever saw, like, the unknown regions, like, going mm-hmm. through that. That I think, again, 
that's all canon. We, we had, they had referenced that, and I think what in Rebels maybe or something. But um, yeah. Oh, I think oh. a lot of well, maybe in Clone Wars too. That's a good point. That's one of those things in Star Wars that like fans have just kind of known about for so long. It's like, yeah, when was the Unknown Regions first mentioned in canon? I think probably Rebels. probably in some reference books or something. Well, yeah, but in, like on screen Rebels or something. Yeah, on screen, probably either Rebels or Clone Wars somewhere. Exegol is literally one of the best planets in Star Wars right now. I love it. I know we all wanted Malachor or, or Malachor, but uh, Malachor would work too. But um, excuse me, um, Morban, Morban, oh, uh, yeah, I would have been fine with that too. But this this works. Yeah. I love. I mean, this. I I am okay with there being multiple like Sith planets. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I love this definitely from like a visual standpoint, seeing those giant statues. Um, and this is a great intro for Palpatine here of like him coming down and hearing the voices and him going through the, you know, I have been every voice you have ever heard inside your head and cycling through Snoke and Vader and everything. Um, just a great, it's a great way of like setting the tone and the atmosphere for this movie and sort of the threat that Palpatine is. Yeah, I just love the whole creepy horror vibe to it that you're feeling here as Kylo's making his way and discovering how Palpatine survived. Everything just looks so dark and creepy that just the last place anyone would want to be, even someone as strong as the dark side of the Force as Kylo is, knowing that Palpatine mm -hmm. could be here. And again, I just loved how they threw back that classic line from Revenge of the Sith, and that's our introduction to Palpatine here in this movie, mm -hmm. is the dark side is a pathway to many abilities, some considered to be unnatural. I just love how he says it in this movie, too. Mm -hmm. So cool. Yeah. I think I think with this, this how they explain the dark side immediately from this movie is what I expected it to be in The Force Awakens, if that makes any sense. I expected that idea... Um, and by the way, before I go on with this, I know there's a lot of people who don't like this movie think this is ridiculous. And you know what? You're right. This is something that is ridiculous. But you know what? It's cool visually. And that's the whole point. And I get it that it doesn't make any sense from a standpoint of him. Those just coming out of nowhere. But again, you show you don't tell. You're showing that he has a fleet, you know, whatever. And it works for me from a cinematic standpoint. Before you guys jump in with that, I just want to finish this whole intro of how it's dark, the the Sith planet, everything, whether it be the Emperor or whatever, this feeling is what I always wanted the, from The Force Awakens to be at least in the movie. And we never got that until this movie. And I always feel that was a dropped ball because I feel that if you're going to follow up the the original trilogy of having this like, you know, like grandiose uh, being that was running the galaxy, that the the enemy would have to be this dark kind of cult thing that we see here. And we never got that until this movie. And I think, again, I wish there was better planning because that's what I always wanted was this was this what we got in this movie for the whole trilogy of that whole creepy dark side cult vibe. Yeah, see, no, I, I, I totally I, agree. Like, I, I think either having that be like Snoke or having some other villain in the force awakens right off the bat with that type of vibe would have been awesome. Or again, also like if they had planned this from the beginning and building up to this and having teases in the force awakens and the last Jedi of, you know, of knowing that eventually that they're going to go to Exegol and, and that there's this looming darkness out there. And then you find out that it's Palpatine because I have, I still have conflicting feelings on that first scene. Like I love how that's all set up. I think it's, it's, 
shot and staged and choreographed and everything really well. And just the music and the atmosphere and everything is great. But at the same time, like, you know, it's like f coming from where we left off in The Last Jedi. It's like, okay, where's the story going next? And it's like, well, uh, Palpatine's back. There we go. Let's go with that. You know, it, it feels kind of abrupt as much as it also feels really cool and atmospheric. So I don't know. See, I would agree where I'm totally glad we got an environment like that in a Star Wars movie finally, but I don't necessarily agree where it needed to be in The Force Awakens or to consider it a drop ball. Just the fact that we got one or a type of dark Sith world like that in one of the Skywalker Saga movies. I'm just happy about that. I think it makes sense too where it would be in the final one where we do get that full-blown Sith homeworld with Sith cultists and the environment is dark, Sith temples and all that. So if they were going to only have it in one, I think it would make sense for it to be in the final one of the Skywalker Saga. That's true. But I will say this, you know, if you had a choice in Force Awakens of where the main bad guy's planet was going to be, I'd rather have it be Exegol than just Death Star 3.0. That is true. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> By the way, it was nice having R2-D2 actually do something in a movie for once in yeah. the sequel trilogy. Oh, yeah, Besides the sequel trilogy. Show, still, sure. still not enough, though. Absolutely. Also, I just love that By the line. way, win the war. Yeah, well, I just great. like Julio in general. <laughs> of course, yeah. Mark Hamill doing his voice helps a lot. But. Yeah. The first the first time that when, when the, the shot, and help me out here, Kyle, where Finn sits down and he kind of slides in really fast, I love that shot. I've always loved that shot for whatever reason. You know what I'm talking about? The one that we just saw where he's sliding into the gunner seat? No, no, no. It's the first one. When, like, when he first gets to the gun seat, the first scene that you get in this movie, he kind of slides in, he has his headphones, he's about to put them on. This is the way he's shot, the way John Boyga looks. It just looks awesome. It just, I'm no, just, yeah. It's showing like that confidence he has. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. I'm good yeah, at this yeah, now. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well said, and well said. Also good that TIE fighters can now finally jump into hyperspace. Yeah. I didn't like that. that I, I, I was like, can I, yeah. Well, yeah, but I mean, think they would finally have that after. Yeah, that's true. Years, yeah. So. And obviously they're continuing on with the whole hyperspace tracking thing from last Jedi. And I like the light ski skipping aspect. I didn't notice till later, but how this is kind of like a mirror planet that they're on where you see the reflection of the Falcon as it's kind of flipping. Yeah. On the side of it. Yeah. And it's trippy. Like you can't really tell. Like where, like you can tell it's some kind of mirror thing, but you can't tell like where it is, you know, yeah. like at least the way it's shot, it makes like it seem like the Falcon is flying underneath like a mirrored surface or something with some things hanging down, but it's, it's hard to tell which way is up. But that was definitely a, you know, it's a cool visual concept. And yeah, I, I mean, for all the issues that I have with this movie, the light speed skipping is not one of them. I know some people say like, oh, it's so stupid or, oh, it's been previously established that you can't do that. Like, I don't know, like you know and what is it is it because han solo said that you know you have to calculate the jump because you could end up in a star or something i mean that's true but there's also a whole lot of empty space like if you jump yeah. into hyperspace not knowing where you're going yes you could crash into something and die but odds are probably good that you're not going to hit anything because there's a whole lot of just nothing out in space obviously yeah. they made it clear that it was a risk doing it so yeah that too i mean they um, get back I mean and ray's pretty angry about it so <laughs> It, all this talk about light speed, I always go back to what my I've been really into Dune, and they kind of tackle that a lot differently. So it's interesting you bring that up. <laughs> and I just love this introduction for Ray yeah. in this movie, just her floating up with the rocks floating around here, just showing how far she's progressed in her training. It's so cool. And I, what I love about 
this whole you know thing about showing how she's been training with Leia again. I love how they use Leia. We'll, we'll get into that in a second, yeah. but but I love the fact that she's been training with her and she's she's doing this thing. She's you know she's not let, resting on her laurels, whatever. But I love the fact that they cut this with with Kylo Ren here, and I love the fact that they go right into that connection and they pick up basically where the last Jedi left off with that connection to them, even though she shut him out and was like, I'm not going to, you know, whatever. And she did. He, oh, obviously that Vader mask, there's a connection there and they, he pulls into the dyad a little bit, you know, through yeah. that. And I'm not sure how, you know, we don't know exactly how it amplifies again. I know this is a criticism and again, I'm not trying to be a, a, a pressure buttons here honestly kyle but i know a lot of people don't like they want things explained a little bit i like the idea that you know for whatever reason it's amplified we don't know why it's amplifying his force powers to ray but it's it is but again i guess he didn't really have reason to contact ray until basically palpatine told them that she's a palpatine well right but i i think my issue with it more is it's not necessarily like oh they don't explain what he's doing with the helmet it's more like it almost seems like just a fan service, like a reason to show him having the helmet again. Because honestly, I don't think you need it. You could show her training, cut to Ben, either just thinking or meditating or whatever, and then cut back to Ray and have her start stumbling. And that connection is there. Because for them right. to connect in The Last Jedi, he didn't need to meditate on anything or, or touch Vader's helmet or, you know, use some kind of force artifact to, like, initiate that connection. It was just they were able to just do it. Um, so it doesn't, it doesn't bug me as far as like, Oh, it's unexplained. It just, you know, it feels a little bit unnecessary. I just kind of took it where he needed the helmet to maybe confidence, the the visions, because obviously they were able to Mm. connect and converse with each other through their connection, but to actually have visions and see kind of the same thing and get that vision had to be through the helmet. I mean, they don't explain the reason for it, but that's how I took it where the helmet Mm. was manifesting those visions that she's seen through him. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of looked at it as like, almost like it's him. Like he knew that he's like, if I touch this, this will enhance my, my force powers because I have a connection with this, with this uh, helmet. Well, it's kind of like the lightsaber, right? When she grabbed the lightsaber, she saw all those things. Yeah. I see what you're saying. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Cool. By the way, Algen is it Algen Cross? I, I'm so bad with Agent names. Uh, Agent Cross. A- Agent Cross. I was, I was way off. Um, this is a much better looking planet than um, Dequar, or you know, or Dequar, whatever it's called. I agree. And a little more creative. I love like this. The the base was more interesting, and 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 I, I again, I'm gonna actually criticize this movie a little more, a little more maybe than I, I was planning to, but. It just, I do wish Jade, not this movie particularly, but JJ, I, I wish JJ would get, would have been a little more creative, I think, with these bases, because I think, like, Exegol is fantastic, but, like, that's the most interesting planet he did in his two films. Mm-hmm. And it's just literally, like, a blue planet. Yeah, you know? and because I know they're so gung-ho on, like, filming on location and, and yeah. using, you know, real-world sets and props and everything, but, and... You know, obviously, J.J. is probably in the camp that would criticize George for using too much CGI in the prequels. But I mean, we've talked about it, uh, you know, a, a bunch of times on this show. And I know you guys agree with me, like on this, like 
the sequel trilogy is missing like the Caminos and the Coruscants and yep, the, the absolutely. type of planets that you can only do through CGI and not to just be lazy and, and just shoot on a green screen, but to envision these larger than life, you know, these, these environments in mm -hmm. a galaxy far, far away that feel alien or, or feel like it's part of a distant universe that doesn't feel like somewhere you could hop on a plane and go on a tourist trip to. Yeah, no, I, I'm with you. And I think that that's the biggest. And even Ryan, even Crate was, I mean, Crate's a little bit more interesting, but yeah, Crate was cool. Not... I mean, Octo was cool. I mean, even though that also was, you know, very grounded and real world. I mean, it was it was a beautiful location and a great place to shoot, you know, for Luke's like remote island stuff. But yeah. Yeah. By the way, uh, this this moment here where he you know, he says, you know, cloning dark, you know, dark, dark science secrets only the sith knew i know i'm not trying to start a war here kyle or anything i know you have a, a big issue with this as far or you're not alone obviously a lot of people criticize the, the emperor and everything i just for me personally that line just it said everything i needed to know about what's going on and i well, love it and you know what to be honest this might surprise you i think the first couple times i saw the movie i kind of agreed with that i was like okay, okay i can deal with that but then the more I thought about it, the more I was like, you know, I wish they had expanded on it a little more. But then so that did kind of become a sticking point for me. But then over time, I just kind of got used to it. And then I read the book and that expands on it more. So that's not really something that bothers me. Honestly, if anything, like if you see me using that as a joke or whatever, like I still think that's a funny like meme. You know, well, they'll do the <laughs> stuff like that with the pose line, you know, oh, somehow Palpatine returned. Um, I know that's right. something people kind of poke fun at, but it's not something I have like a major issue with in the movie. I know be like between that and, and his line about, you know, the dark side is a pathway to many abilities. It's like, you know, they're keeping it hazy, but I mean, they give you something to go off of. It's kind of like in clone wars when Darth Maul comes back, they never really give yeah. you a good explanation for how he actually survived for 10 years without the lower half of his body, aside from the dark side and my anger and my rage exactly. kept me alive. Mm -hmm. But it's the stories that they tell with him afterwards that make you be able to overlook that. And Absolutely. I yeah. feel like they kind of did the same thing here as well, but I feel like the story is not as strong. And that's maybe what makes me think like, man, I wish they would give some more details on like how and why Palpatine came back in the first place. Um, but I don't know. That's just me. You see, I was good with those explanations or lack thereof, so to speak, and just kind of letting you imagine the possibilities. Exactly. All mm -hmm. Like that line, we like a third time referencing now, but the dark side is the pathway to many abilities some consider to be unnatural. Dave Filoni said that all the time when referring to how Darth Maul survived, and I was fine with that being the case with Palpatine as well. And to be honest, I was actually a little disappointed in the fact that the novel did flat out say it is a clone body. I, mean, I would have rather it be left to you to kind of decide if that, I mean, it lines up perfectly with the stories to where it makes sense that Palpatine would have a clone body. It makes sense that way. But I kind of wish that would be something to where if you wanted to look at it that way, you can, or if you wanted to look at the more unnatural routes for him to survive. And that was his original body, similar to Maul. You can look at it that way too. So um, not the biggest fan of it definitely being a clone body, but it still makes sense uh, of, of course that Palpatine would have some ready to go in case he needed it. But um, I do like it how, when I first saw it originally where those vague explanations were all we got and it worked for me for the most part. And I have to say that don't underestimate the fact that them going a different direction with, the, with how Palpatine returns in, and they ignore what's in the novelization because novelizations are not canon. 
they have if it's on screen and it contradicts then it's not canon and they can very easily be rewritten and retooled so keep that's, that in mind that's definitely true but at this point i don't think they really have a reason to go back and change it i mean here's one thing here's one thing and this kind of leads me to something else and and i'm not trying to keep harping on the movie but one thing that does just kind of seem a little silly about all this is and and it was in the the scene that they just had at the base where they're all talking about how Palpatine returned and stuff. And they said, you know, in 16 hours, attacks on all free worlds begin. And I really, it just seems silly to me how there's like a countdown timer through this whole movie. But then when you think about all this stuff that happens, it's like the galaxy found out Palpatine was back. He came back, resurrected this whole fleet, and then they blew him up again, all in the span of a day. Like, so I don't think they're going to go back and tell more stories and be like, Oh, actually, you know, Palpatine wasn't really a clone and, and, you know, change the whole, like, it seems like just a one and done kind of thing. Well, the same thing happened in last Jedi. I mean, I mean that's just a sequel trilogy in general. Yeah. <laughs> when you yeah, think it, about it. So. it yeah, yeah. But I'm just saying in this particular the, instance, you, you, mean, you were yeah. saying like, that's not necessarily Canon, but I'm like, I don't think they're really going to revisit that story or add a whole lot more to the story of Palpatine coming back in this movie. Well, Cause this is pretty much it. Well, see, this is where I think, again, yeah, I'm going to put on my comic book continuity, uh, just kind of brain for a minute. And, and Tim, maybe every time I say that, I think I know Tim knows exactly where I'm going with this. But there's a lot of times you're right, Kyle, that people won't revisit it. But every once in a while, back in the day, in comic books, a writer who grew up or maybe like five years ago like, loved this, will love the story so much and go, hey, Guess what? What if we did this kind of story with the origin of Palpatine? What if it's still like this, but we twisted it like this and blah, 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 blah. And by that point, no one's going to care. It's such a great story. They're going to go, hey, you know what? Let's make that novel. Let's write that comic book or whatever. And they stick it in there. And it doesn't doesn't necessarily retcon the Rise of Skywalker, but it enhances it because they had this great idea to include this or this story or Maybe because right now we know that Palpatine's son is just a clone of Palpatine. What if it? What if they retcon it to be an actual son of Palpatine or something like that? You know what I mean? Like they yeah. can go about it and then what the novelization does if the story warrants being told. And again, in comics, in but, comics, and, that's and, very very common. To be honest, I mean, I wouldn't mind seeing a comic series set on Exegol in between, you know, sometime in between Episode Six and Seven. Oh, yeah, totally. um, yeah. But at the same time, I mean, I think they've made it pretty clear that like all the books and stuff that come out are canon. So even in, like if if they were to make a comic series or something that directly contradicted what was in the novel for this movie, I think it would confuse a lot of people who have either read the novel or just read about stuff that happens in it and are taking that as canon as far as expanding the story of what happens in the movie. Well, the reason why I would argue against that, like I had an argument on this, or not even argument, discussion, sorry. By the way, I just want to say for the, there's a couple things that I need to talk about real fast. Yeah, we um, need to catch up with where we're at. In the sorry, movie. we're I'm still sorry. on Palpatine. We'll, we'll, we'll get, how about this? Save the novelization topic for a, for a podcast, because it yeah, is a yeah. good topic. I, I have more to say, but I want to say right now, I love that 3PO gets to go on with with, this, with these people, and he has a legitimate role, and I think he was yeah. done brilliantly, and I love oh, 3PO. Yeah. Really I think this character. is my favorite 3PO movie. Also, I love this whole dance sequence here. Yeah, and I also want to say, too, I thought it was a brilliant decision by J.J. and Chris Terrio to have them go on an adventure as a group. Yeah, that, like, mm-hmm. it's very vintage, just classic adventure, and I feel it was a great move and idea because I just it feels like they actually were a unit, even though they've barely been together ever, if 
if maybe only for like two seconds on the end of Last Jedi. It actually feels like there were a team, and I, I just it feels they do have a good chemistry, and so oh, totally. yeah, I feel it right I, away too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I was really impressed with how well. Uh, Oscar Isaac and uh, Daisy really had a chemistry together, and it made me really bummed out that the three of them didn't have more screen time than in, you know in the first place. Yeah, I was just gonna say, as much as it works so well in this movie, it just makes it more disappointing that this is the only movie out of the three of the sequel trilogy that yeah. we got all three of them working together like this. I mean, you don't. To be fair, you don't get too much of it in the original trilogy either. Well, obviously, a New Hope is the big one, and Empire. Yeah, Empire, have, yeah. They were split up. And Jedi, they had the moments too when they go to Endor, but... Yeah. Well, it's... Jedi, you also have the uh, the sail barge at the beginning. I mean, it's basically the whole rest of the group breaking in to save Han, and then they all kind of have to escape together uh, during the big battle. Yeah. I I have to say, when I, I came into Rise of Skywalker completely spoiler-free, and when I had no idea if they were going to retcon Ray, I just didn't know, and when they went right into who is she? And then the little girl's like, you know, asking, yeah. her all, you know, <laughs> I was like, oh, like there's actually going to be some substance. It's actually going to be, you know, go back to what, you know, dude, I thought the same thing when she was having that conversation with that little alien girl. I, I, know, I, was, like, I, I was like, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Inside my I head. Like, I was like, okay, this is going somewhere that I'm, can't wait to find out. Mythology. <laughs> you know what? And, God. and, and I know we're going to, you know, spend more time talking about the book later, but one thing I actually really like that the book does is when Snoke, or, or sorry, when when Palpatine tells Kylo at the beginning that she's not who she thinks she who who she thinks she is or whatever, he's actually confused because he's like, he says, and it says like, no, he had a vision back during the Last Jedi, and he saw her parents were just like these dusty regular old people on Jakku, and so yeah. he's like, wait, so who were they? So later in the movie, when he says, I never lied to you, Ray, your parents were no one. It's like, like in the movie, it kind of comes across as like, oh, okay, he's just saying, you know, he's being a bad guy, saying, you know, kind of telling her what she wants to hear or whatever. But it's like, I like that the book added that extra context of like, no, he actually, like, he was fooled. And and Palpatine told yeah. him something he didn't know. And honestly, I kind of took it that way too. You can take it either way, but I always kind of took it a little bit of both. To be honest, kind of, he probably you know, well, I did, but but you know, they were nothing. And he saw that, but maybe he never thought that. But like you said, Cal, I I always kind of took it the, the way that you're saying the book kind of said. It's like, yeah, he didn't lie. He really thought they were nobody, and then he was like, oh, okay. Because I don't think he ever knew he was Palpatine's, uh, you know, daughter. Or whatever. Oh no, I, and I don't think he knew that either. I'm just saying in the the movie for him just to say, "Oh, I never lied to you." It's like, "Oh yeah, sure you didn't." Um, but I, I like that they added more context to it in the book. Lando's introduction so good. He looks so He's good great. here. Yeah. He does. He really does. Like he, it, it's weird when you see him like in public. He does not look even an ounce of what he looks like here. Like he's, he's not. He's just, he looks tired. He's gonna fall over. Yeah. And then and then on this, he looks like a completely different person. It's so weird. See here at, at last year at uh, Phoenix Comic Con, I met. I didn't meet Billy D. Williams in person. I saw Billy D. Williams. I went to his panel, and I also met Jeff Goldblum. Um, and they both seemed kind of like, you know, older, tired. I mean, maybe they just had a long day at the con or whatever. But then you see them in movies, you're like, wait, they had nowhere near this much energy when I saw them in person. Like, <laughs> must have some pretty Acting, strong energy right? and pretty strong. Must have some pretty strong energy drinks going around in Hollywood. Yeah, I also and another great thing about. Lando's introduction here. Not only is it great to see the character again, but we get some 
history that we want to see play out him and luke searching for wayfinders i mean Mm -hmm. how cool is that just to throw that one line thrown in the movie it just creates this fun speculation and hopefully a story that we'll get at some point whether it's a comic or movie or animated series who knows but just some that Uh, little seed that's been planted i love it and i have to go back a little bit to when kylo and ray are having that four skype vision i love again the detail of ray and white and dark background and then Kylo black costume, white background to have that whole force dyad thing. Again, Dude, I'm yeah. a sucker for that stuff. Sucker. Never really thought of that, but that's a great visual cue on that. <laughs> Beautiful. God. See, this is why I love this movie. I, I, the pacing was a little weird for me at first, but every time I watch this movie, it just, just, it just kicks. And I love how we get right into the speeder chase. And this is, I think, an underrated scene. I, like this right here, when the guy pops up and you know he starts talking on the thing, it feels like that feels like Return of the Jedi for me. It's a little bit different, mm-hmm. and this is just phenomenal. I think this is fantastic. Yeah, I really enjoy this as a fun action sequence, and again, not doing easily could have done another speeder bike chase type sequence here, but it's different enough where. It, it's still a chase, but even in the documentary they had where, you know, Star, every Star Wars, almost every Star Wars movie has a chase sequence. And mm-hmm. this is the one for this movie, and it's really cool. They fly now. You know what? Yeah. That, I, I mean, I love John Boyega's <laughs> response when they were in that interview saying they've been doing it since the Clone Yeah, <laughs> I love that clip. <laughs> he knows his stuff. Yeah, I remember they, they released that as like a preview clip before the movie, and I was yeah. like, eh, this doesn't get me the most excited. Um, I... This is I, I just think but. this is, looks fantastic. I, I think they did a great job choreographing and everything. I think it's just the design, the speeder designs, everything about this, I think, is just really well done. And even the troopers are competent in what they're doing, the jetpack troopers yes. and the ones on the treads there, because obviously they do stuff to throw them off, but they're not turning their heads. And then when they look back, they're crashing into a log like in Return of the Jedi. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. They even get some good shots in. I mean, there's a trooper that shoots down both of their uh, speeders there, or skimmers, I should say. Yeah, yeah. I have to say too. Uh, talk about Finn. I I love Finn in this movie. I I it, Finn in this movie just proves to me more and more. And I'm not trying to rag on Last Jedi, but it just it just proved to me how much he just was was mis miswritten. You know. Yeah, underwritten, I think, in The Last Jedi. He's so good in this. And I love how in, in more confident and individual he is in this movie. I know Last Jedi takes place right after The Force Awakens, but just I love seeing John Boyega be a different character or a different version of Finn, just a more confident and just I, I love his costume and look. I, I think he looks great. He look he looks like a Star Wars character to me, like a, just a, a, a new, a great version of Star or new updated version of Star Wars. Yeah, no, I, I definitely would agree with that. I mean, and I like, I mean, I guess I like his look in, in The Force Awakens, too. He has too. that look yeah, yeah, of, yeah. like, somebody that has just come from being a stormtrooper. But, um, yeah, I definitely do think he seems to have come into his own in this movie. I wish they had done a little bit more with his character arc, which I guess I'll get to a little bit later. But, you know, mm-hmm. when we, we did the read, or, you know, we we did the review of the, the Colin Trevorrow script and... <sighs> The whole and, and yeah, obviously there was a lot of cringy stuff in there. But one thing that I really liked was the idea of Finn leading like a, a re- revolution yeah. of former stormtroopers. And in this movie, he sort of does that. And I didn't even sort of realize it until I read the book. 
where they mentioned that when he's charging on horseback with Janna across the, the Star Destroyer, that those are all former stormtroopers. Yeah, yeah. Which, which is mentioned in the movie, but it's like they don't really hammer home that point. Like, I, and I know, you know, they don't need to <laughs> beat you over the head with everything, but at the same sure. time, it's like, you know, it feels like they could have hyped that up a little bit more. Like, that is kind of a big moment for him that kind of gets glossed over in, in everything else that's going on. I couldn't believe how funny this scene was. The not Me the way of scene, but the, but this whole like snake thing, like yeah, this this interaction. This is what made me miss like the most of like man, they really dropped an opportunity. They did they did an amazing yeah. job casting these people with three PO's like afterlife line. I was bu- I was dying. I'm no, like, I, man, I think the I think the most I laughed watching this on opening night was the line when uh, he's like Ray Finn and three PO goes, "You didn't say my name, sir, but I'm all right." Yeah. No. But, this, this yeah. scene right here is probably the funniest Star Wars moment for me. <laughs> that when Poe ignites his light flashlight, it makes a raised lightsaber. <laughs> I busted up. Uh, see that that's a little too meta for me. To be uh, honest, see, I loved it just because maybe it is because you can relate to that. We've all done it. I know. And I see, know. the thing for me that. is, I didn't even catch that it was a joke at first because I was like, "Yeah, she lights up his lightsaber. He lights up his flashlight. They both need to be able to see in the dark." I was like, "What's yeah. oh?" Because they're making a joke about comparing the flashlight to the lightsaber. Uh-huh, okay. Which, by the way, a flashlight in Star Wars. It's a little. I don't know. It's a little. Oh yeah. come on! That's. I'm, I'm being. I'm being. Listen, I love this movie, and I'm being a little overly critical on it. Just shows you. Just shows you. But anyway, it's fine. I mean, I, I got my issues, but I don't care about flashlights. <laughs> it just feels like they should have like. W- w- see what John Boyega has makes more sense. It, it seems a little more futuristic, not just like a a flashlight with a little different thing at the end of it. I do love the like the fact that she's using the lightsaber to light that that you know like a torch. I think that's awesome. We don't really see that very often in Star Wars. Yeah, I guess we don't see it in the movies. I mean, it's it's oh, a pretty right. big feature of uh, like Jedi Fallen Order, and you see it a lot in Clone Wars and Rebels. Well, and stuff, yeah, but, but you know, on movies, though. yeah, only the movies count, Kyle. <laughs> <laughs> I had to. I'm sorry. I would give you so much grief for that if you were serious, but I know, I know. Which you could tell, I didn't always, I didn't tell this until, or I just didn't really notice it very, very much until I saw it last couple of times. But the way the lightsaber hilt is a little different, with a little like piece, because uh, she, you know, fix up the her, the hilt. Oh that yeah. It, I love that it has a little piece kind of around it, so you can kind of see. You see what I'm saying? You can see a little bit of the blade with the with the tip of it, even though it's still uh, has like the. Um, how do I say it? It just looks a little different. That's what I'm trying to say. And Wait, I, I you're just, talking the, about the middle part or the emitter? The the, the part where the very end where it kind of like it starts and then comes back. Like you see a space between it. And I the think blade. I know what you're talking about, but I think it's always been like that. And they just haven't or maybe they made the hilt a little different for this. But it, it's not because of the it, it's not because of them changing it from last Jedi. It? No, okay. it's just maybe we've just never seen it like in that much detail before. And what I think if I you look up... at like a replica model, it's there. Okay. So you, you can see it right there. It's like, it's like, it's just a little space. I never noticed that until this movie. Yeah. Okay. And one thing that I didn't pick up on when I saw it for the first time, but I really like is when C-3PO was explaining why he can't translate Sith and how he was saying it was part of his program back in the old Republic days. Mm-hmm. And part of me is thinking, is that something that Palpatine uh, established when he became chancellor just to, to make sure there's no possible way anyone can look into the sith or find out any leave any trail for him being a sith lord there's there's a droid you find some point. 
that ancient could Sith relic. Be, <laughs> but it also that. that could have been something that was established even further back when you know, like when well, the Sith were yeah. wiped out, and it's like, okay, these enemies that keep trying to take over the Republic, they're gone now. Nobody's allowed to speak their language anymore. Yeah, that I makes think, sense too. But yeah. I do like the idea of something that Palpatine being kind of being so no, paranoid and wanting yeah. to cover his tracks. I think I think three PO says New Republic, if I'm not mistaken. No, he says old no. Republic. He says Old Republic. Does he? Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, well, shut me down. <laughs> <laughs> like that. It oh, is God. cool to see Finn hold the lightsaber again. Yeah, you know what? Honestly, his fight with Kylo in Force Awakens is underrated. I I know it's short and he gets his butt kicked, but see, when Rey is fighting Kylo, she's mostly on the defensive. Finn is going after him, man. And for like the 45 seconds that he lasts before he gets knocked out, he's handling himself pretty well. I agree with you. I just rewatched it in 4K. And it looks beautiful in 4K, by the way. It's gorgeous. Um, I know a lot of people hate this shot, and it's it's useless. And I know, like, I understand it's it's useless, but I still like it. I don't care. I like I like rock and roll. That's a look cool. That's a cool looking shot. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I'm just glad that they got as much screen time as they did in this movie, even though they don't get to do a whole lot. Oh, you know what I meant to uh, to bring up earlier. Also, speaking of, you know, things that need explaining and and whatever, like when Kylo first gathers the Knights of Ren and he's with that creature and he's putting the helmet back together. um, Again, in the book, they just give this simple little explanation for why he's putting the helmet back together. And it's that he it's it's he uses it basically as a symbol of leadership for the Knights of Ren. Um, and that, you know, they've kind of just been off doing their own thing. And now that he's sort of getting the band back together and needs them to go hunting for Ray, he's like, I need my helmet back. That was always one of the things I took it as, even without explaining it, where it was either he needed it to round up the Knights of Ren to show that leadership like it ended up being, or that he's really fulfilling his place as the next Vader now that Palpatine's back and he wants to wear that mask. But I think it does make more sense where it is in reference to the Knights of Ren and his leadership of them. So, yeah, I, when I read that in the book, I was like, okay, it's kind of something I figure, but glad to see that that is the reason you can officially look to. Yeah, and I, 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 I like, will say this is, I like that a lot more than just like, oh, Snoke is gone, so I'm going to go back to being my old self and I want my mask back again. I will well, say this is a missed a, opportunity for a cool action sequence with the yeah, fighting Julie. Yeah, mm-hmm. 100% agree with that. You know, I think that both your both of you, both of those reasons, Kyle, together make sense. Like I feel like you can't you can have both, and they and they both I think are reasonable because I think him going back to what he what he's more comfortable with comfortable with because he admires his grandfather makes sense. And also I love that story reason for hey I need to get the band back together, and they're only going to respect me if I wear the mask. So I I have to wear the mask again. You know, I can't just demand it because he respects where he comes from. Again, even going back to like respecting his grandfather and being like Darth Vader, it kind of is a little bit similar. They're very different, obviously, but I like that it could, you could use the argument for both. Like they're not mutually exclusive. If that makes any sense? Yeah. Always hate seeing Chewie in shackles. I mean, poor guy. He's been through that so many times in his life with the Empire. Even though it's a short period here, but just seeing back in chains with another. With the remnants of the Empire, it just must be awful for him. And I hate seeing it. But <laughs> this sequence is one of my favorite 
sequences in the whole movie. I just love it. I mean, it was built up in the very first teaser that we saw that it was going to be something cool. And for me, anyway, I think it delivered on the cool tease and setup we got in that teaser trailer just for some really cool stuff that they didn't show later on. But just a Star Wars showdown here <laughs> like none other. Someone in a ship and a Jedi ready to pounce on it, showing the skills that she has and be able to take it down. It's just really, really cool. None of them backing down. Yeah. But then it leads to another really cool moment later. But I just love how this whole sequence played out. I mean, for me, Kylo's motivations are still a little iffy here. Like, because later he tells her, you know, at this point he knows she's a Palpatine. And he says, I, I pushed you in the desert because I needed you to see it. And I needed you to see it for yourself. And it's like, I understand that with like them playing tug of war with the ship and everything. But it's like, why are you trying to run her over? Like, were you planning on well, her crashing your TIE fighter? He knew. He well, well, since he probably didn't know that was going to happen with the transport having Chewie on there, he probably just figured, okay, I'm going to come at her. If she's going to survive, she's going to have to draw on her hatred and maybe dark side power mm -hmm. to survive mm -hmm. this. But you yeah. don't have to draw on dark side power to do a backflip over a ship if you're a Jedi. But I, I think he knew. I think he knew her well enough that she'd be able to invade it one way or another. He probably didn't expect her to do that. Which, by the way, I think that was that first teaser is not my favorite teaser of uh, of, of of all the Star Wars films. I think it's one of the weaker teasers besides the reveal of Palpatine at the very end. I, I like that scene. I don't love it for that first shot of the, the teaser trailer we got at Celebration. I was always like, hmm. and seeing it in the movie, it would have been better in the movie by itself without showing it before so that's I, that's just me again i love how it just leads into this sequence this is just so cool seeing them both <laughs> yeah use the this force is, that yeah. way to try to overpower each other it's so cool and yeah. i definitely oh, go ahead paul uh, i was just, just gonna say again the whole light versus dark with the, the, yeah. the white she's wearing white he's wearing black i love that but then she shows the greater display of the dark side right here shooting out that light and when i first saw that i was like oh crap I knew right away, okay, she's definitely going to be connected to Palpatine somehow, but didn't know in what way, but I knew that was going to be the connection right then and there. Yeah. See, see I didn't I didn't know. And uh, yeah, I never I didn't take that as a Palpatine connection at all. I thought again, she she lost control, tapped into the dark side out of just raw power and emotion and anger and whatever. It makes sense that she would shoot force lightning and I think that's cool and it, it's it's a cool sort of moment for her character to see her lose control like that and have to struggle with the ramifications of it. I never bought into the idea that Chewie was dead. I mean, aside from the fact that we Me see him either. in other shots in the trailer, I was just like, exactly. they wouldn't kill off Chewie like that. So emotionally, it didn't work for me as far as, you know, you're supposed to feel like, oh, no, she just killed Chewie. Like, no, she didn't. But well, though I will say their reactions really sell it for me. You could really feel the pain in both Ray and Finn seeing that transfer blow up and then they lost Chewie. That more than anything is what really sells it for me. Yeah. But it, I mean, you know, seeing, so seeing her shoot the lightning, I thought was cool, but then having that be an indication that she's a Palpatine. I mean, I guess for, for somebody who's like a, a casual fan that's only ever seen mm -hmm. Palpatine shoot force lightning, that makes sense. But for me, I'm like, no, she tapped into the dark side, but that didn't mean anything. And so, you know, later, I mean, I wasn't a huge fan at first of the whole, you know, you're a Palpatine reveal. And so when people were like, oh no, it makes sense though. Cause she shot lightning. I'm like, that means nothing. And that's kind of the way I was looking at it when I first saw it for the first time, because I knew they were, they kind of had to play for that general audience reaction too, because that is the only 
main character they're familiar with shooting force lightning is Palpatine. And that's kind of where I drew on. Okay, they're going to use that as the first symbol or indication to show you that Ray is going to be related to him because Palpatine and the force lightning are so synonymous with each other that that would be a big indicator for those who aren't steeped into Star Wars lore like us diehard fans are, knowing that is a dark side technique and not just a Palpatine technique. <laughs> yeah, I mean, for people who watch the prequels, yeah. she could be a Dooku for all we know. <laughs> exactly but like, you know that's not you. how the main majority probably look at it when it comes to palpatine and force lightning or force lightning in general they always associate it with palpatine I, yeah. i'll be honest when that first happened in the movie i thought that she like i i, I was like what what is that what does that mean because i i i just thought immediately dark side and where and my mind started thinking the possibilities of is she a combination is she like an like i thought that she was a cloned uh or a sim some kind of like i want to say test tube but something like that where maybe they took like luke's hand and, and some of the emperor and some other people she's an amalgam of like different uh bloodlines trying to make an ultimate jedi or sith or whatever kind of a thing so the fact that she she did that, I, like you kind of said, Tim, that was the first thing I thought of. Maybe she has some connection to Palpatine. I didn't think she'd be a full on, you know, daughter of Palpatine or kind of a thing. So Same here, yeah, because that's what I was thinking, where it could have been him trying to create another life through the force. And mm -hmm. if he was more involved in creating it, she would have displayed more of those powers more so. But and then uh, another thing I was thinking of, which I'm glad didn't happen if she was kind of another like a clone of Palpatine which I would have been really disappointed with if that was the case so um this is different a daughter ideas. of a clone of Palpatine See, both that would have been fine with me I think clone of Palpatine would have been fine again it could, that idea of just trying to, to again they, almost like an Anakin right yeah but even the clone of Palpatine the book did just I'm not a huge fan of that either but it did just enough to make it where it wasn't an exact copy of Palpatine yeah they just kind of took his DNA strand or so to speak to create another life through it that has his DNA and blood. So it's not technically a full blown clone of his, but it was taken from him. But so that worked a little better than this being a full blown clone of Palpatine, where that's what he would look like as a young man, kind of like the Boba Fett, Jango Fett situation. So I've got a little different in that Star regard. Yeah. A great star Wars callback, which I'm not sure was, was on purpose or an accident or what, but I, I do love that. And I, but I did at that moment, I thought, because of the whole Luke's hand thing, there's a lot of reports maybe that she was tied to Luke still. Cause I was still wanting, like, I hate to say it. I was still clinging to that idea of, uh, some kind of blood relation. Cause you knew with the name, like rise of Skywalker, she was going to go by the name of Skywalker at some point, but how exactly was that going to happen? I didn't know. Yeah. And so I thought, so when that happened, I thought maybe this is literally them saying like, she's an amalgam of these different characters that she is a partly Skywalker, but she's got other things in her too. So, um, yeah, it, but again, I, I, this is why you avoid spoilers. People that was a, I mean, I yeah. was on the edge of my seat at that point. I'm like, Oh, my here, God, yeah. oh yeah, me too. Kajimi's another location that I really like the design of. I mean, you could say that, yeah, they're on another desert planet with Pisana. Yeah, they're on another snow planet with Pijimi, Kajimi, but they have just enough different aesthetics to them to make them stand apart, which I appreciate it's, it. Or, yeah. I hate to say it. It's basically Maz's castle in snow. Mm, kind of, but it's a whole town. I, I like... I know. I would I know, say Kajimi is probably one of my favorite planet designs of the sequel trilogy, too. No, I, I agree. It's... 
I, I'm being really critical, overly critical of this. I mean, Missouri some of the place? structures do look similar to Maz's castle, but it yeah. is, uh, I mean, all, overall, I would say I, this is better than, than that castle and Taco Donna and everything. Absolutely. Yeah. I, that, that we will definitely agree on that. The, the, I'm telling you the last half of force awakens just does not hold up as well as the first still, it just, this never, I love the end of the movie with, with the battle with the Kylo Ren and Han and all that stuff. But besides that, I'm like, eh, it just, it just loses steam really after they lose Jakku. Yeah. I think Zori is a really great character though. Great yeah. character. She's one of my favorite parts of this movie. And great, great design. Yeah. yeah. I, I was going to say it's up there as one of the coolest looking helmeted characters. I love it. Yeah. And they finally uh, stuck the landing where they had a cool helmeted character who actually turned out to be, you know, have a, a good part to play and be a substantial, like, interesting character. Um, I don't know what you're referring to there, Kyle. Uh, well, I'm <laughs> no, I'm not being critical of a certain captain that you like. I'm being critical of the way that they handle characters like uh, Phasma and Boba Fett and, you know, Zori. They gave a cool helmet and some personality to go with it. I love I love this right here with. With when she took her out and in the in the scene of the way it shot and her lightsaber, you know, look, you know, and she's like, I, you know, I, I care. And then she turns off the lightsaber and hand and gives her her hand. I, that's a great moment. Again, mm -hmm. you're showing how Ray, who Ray is. When they say Ray's, you know, when, when Luke references her heart and all that, like that's who she is. They were trying to kill her and take her in, but you know what? She could have taken her head off, but said no, I care. And then that's why Zori says, you know. You know, this probably won't mean much, but, you know, this is a, uh, you know, uh, but whatever she says. But uh, again, okay. Wait, she says, yeah, she says not okay. that you care, but I think you're OK. And Ray says, no, I do care. And I think it's because, you know, she grew up alone on Jakku. And now yeah. that she finally has That's found, Dengar. you know, people to, to fit in with, um, mm -hmm. she's like, yeah. no, I, I do care that you like me and that, you know, you, you think highly of me as a person. Yeah. I, you know, again. We've we've talked about this a number of times, maybe maybe not enough, but I think Daisy really really shines in this movie. Yeah, I, but I Babu really Frick is yeah, Babu great. Frick is the best character in this movie by far. Well, <laughs> okay, I wouldn't go that far, but I love Babu Frick. He's great though too. Yeah, yeah Babu Frick is great, you know. But I, I I gotta say, I think Daisy really does a great job, and I think she doesn't get enough praise. I mean, honestly, the 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 amount of pressure that she was under after Force with the Force Awakens and after the Force Awakens with the Last Jedi with a lot of criticisms, although a lot of people love that movie, but you know. She coming into it, she had to stick with the landing with this movie, and and she, I thought she did, she did a great job in all the movies. I think I'm not trying to dot on the last Jedi. I I've, I've, I was always been a little more critical of that movie with her. She just doesn't seem, and again, maybe it's just the way Ryan wrote the character and and directed her in this in that movie. But in this movie, I just she just feels more comfortable, and I think she nails everything and gets the emotion. I really feel. Yeah the anger off of her. I feel mm -hmm. the, 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 you know, she does a great job. I mean, he'd say exactly the conveying those emotions and I gotta, she doesn't get enough credit and I, I don't want, I, I just don't want a, another main star Wars protagonist like, like Mark Hamill, not getting the due they deserve because of this stupid, you know, whatever stigma or whatever. But She's great in this movie, and I, I really hope Daisy does great things, and I hope you know, hope she will, because I think this movie shows the range she's capable of, of doing, and she's a great lead actress, and 
again, I, I think she was she did this is her best work of her career, and and maybe people disagree with me, but yeah, I think she's phenomenal in this movie. No, I agree. There's so many layers to the character that she had to yeah. nail it just in this one movie. And I remember mm-hmm. what you said, where she shows the emotion, all the different aspects of the emotion she had to display in this part for this final movie of her story that started in The Force Awakens. And I'm, yeah, I agree. And she, she nailed it. And she holds her own with Adam Driver in this movie. I mean, and I'm not saying she was bad with Adam Driver in the other movies, but I think she's on par with him in this movie. Like, I feel like she acts just as well as he does. And that's saying something. See, I would argue that they, I think they're better together in Last Jedi, just in terms of them playing off of each other. And I think they both have more substance to work with just as far as their conversations and stuff. Mm. Um, Also, I love this scene. This scene here just with Zori and Poe up on the roof watching the First Order kind of stomping through the city and talking about the, the effect that this war has had on sort of the ordinary citizens of the galaxy that we haven't really seen from the perspectives of like the people fighting in the war. I wish that we had more of this kind of context. And I know we don't have that in, uh, you know, in, in all the other movies necessarily either, but maybe I've gotten spoiled by clone wars. Um, but you know, like with force awakens, I feel like the resistance of the first order, like they didn't give a whole lot of like build up and set up. It was just kind of like, and eh, new star Wars movie. There's new good guys. There's new bad guys. They're fighting again. Have at it. Um, but I like that this kind of gives some more context and some background just as to not really the, the background of the conflict and, and where it all came from, but the way that it's affecting the regular people and seeing it from their perspective. Um, as well as seeing just sort of where Poe's head is at after Last Jedi and and after, you know, they sent out that call for help and he talks about how nobody came and everything. So, um, mm-hmm. and I just like the way that, you know, even though they've kind of been contentious with each other up to this point, now they're sort of confiding in each other as old friends um, and yeah. realizing that obviously they have a common enemy in the First Order. And then I like that line where she says there's more of us and and Lando obviously repeats that later. And it's I never give it this much credit when the, it was in the theater, but after watching it a couple of days ago, as I watch this movie all the time now, uh, I, I really picked up on the fact that they were really using The Last Jedi in a very positive way where it really affected Poe. I, I just kind of, you know, it didn't really click to me for whatever reason when I saw it the eight times in the theater that, oh, yeah, duh, like, Crate really messed up Poe. Mm-hmm. And, and it took an old friend to remind him that, like, hey, they, this is what they want you to think. They want you to think you're alone. And I love the fact that he's really affected by what happened at Crate. It really messed him up because it was messed up that no one came to help them. So, so yeah, I, I, I did I did think that was a good callback to Last Jedi and good use of that movie. There's a one avenue from the whole battle of Crate that I wish they would explore on more. I think we talked about this in our review is how they did met, they would have mentioned what Luke Skywalker did there, giving them that hope not only to escape but hopefully sparking that fire for other citizens of the galaxy, which would have led to them rallying up at the end here. But you can make that assumption if you want to, but I well, just wish Luke's sacrifice got a little bit of recognition. It, it doesn't really get any direct recognition in this movie, but that's why I love, and I know Paul, you're going to hate me for this. Cause I know you hate this scene, it. but the scene with Don't the kids at it. the end of the last no. Jedi that are playing with the toys and telling each other the legend of Luke Skywalker, that is showing you that people around the galaxy know this story and that it is inspiring hope. And so it's not included in this movie, but that's sort of like an epilogue to the last Jedi that I think kind of sets this up. 
so that when you see everybody come together at the end of Rise of Skywalker, I mean, if you want, you can kind of put those pieces together and assume that they're doing it because they've all heard the story of Luke Skywalker, because, you know, you see that people are spreading that story and they're inspired by it. True story. I never watch that end. I always <laughs> I turn, surprised. I, 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 I always honestly, and, and I want to put a pin in this cause I, I want to save this for, for another topic. You've probably talked about it before. Cause I know you hate that scene, but I can't for the life of me understand why, like I can understand not loving it or if it's not your cup of tea, but I can't understand why anybody would hate it, but that's a different movie. Let's, so let's save that for a different discussion. Yeah. yeah. And so with, with all this, I, I do think it's a little redundant of them going back and forth, back and forth with Kylo. Like, you know, you're a hard person to find. It's a little, it gets a little, too, a little too much here for me. I mean, not, I don't mind it. It's just, I could see where people would have a problem with this movie because of, of all this. But again, I don't mind it, but I, I can, I can understand where people would have a problem with them going back and forth on, on this ship and Kylo's going down there and then going back up there and, I mean, but I, I do don't, love- I don't have a problem with it. It just, it, their, their relationship in this movie feels like it lacks a bit of substance. Like they have so many good conversations in the last Jedi where they start off as enemies and then come to learn more about each other as people and how their circumstances are so similar. And in this movie, they're really just playing a cat and mouse game and Kylo's whole whole motivation is just to like tell her she's a Palpatine and then try to turn her to the dark side. So... Mm-hmm. I wish they had had a little bit more meaty um, character interactions, but I mean, the back and forth of the going to different places and whatever. I mean, it's not just the two of them. It's everybody in this movie is zipping back and forth. You know, we're changing planets every five minutes. So sure. I, I went to the bathroom when I first saw this uh, movie at this part. And I totally missed this. (laughs) Dude, I got a small bladder. Even when you podcast, I'll disappear for like five minutes because I'm going to the bathroom. That's how we do it. Um, See the Star Wars movie for the first time? Yeah, I know. I I tried. I was like, I was like, I got to go so bad. I I tried. Uh, Imagine if there was a long, for whatever reason, a long wait. It took you forever and you missed the whole Ray Palpatine reveal. (laughs) (laughs) No, I knew. I knew I was safe. I knew I was safe for the way it was going. I could just tell. But. It, I came back, I think, right when she was walking into. I I missed. I think yeah. I came back right when she was came, coming into the Kylo's thing or something like that. Right, right around there. Um. Anyway, I didn't miss that scene at first, and just being like, I go, I told, asked my wife, like, what did I miss? She goes, Oh, you missed a. She like told someone to like go somewhere else. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> so it, was, it was something weird like that. I'm like, oh, I missed it. I'm like, okay. Oh yeah, this is a. Uh, Man, Chewy, good old Chewy. Yep. <laughs> we didn't hear him say it, obviously, but when Poe responds to, "Of course we came, Chewy," I can only imagine what Chewy's thinking. Like, "Oh, they came for me, or you, you guys came for me." <laughs> Just knowing what he's gone through these last year or so, losing Han and thinking this <laughs> might be it for him, but yeah, he still has new close friends. You know, I I wouldn't have been. I know this is a sacrilegious, but I wouldn't have been. I would have been okay with with them killing Chewie at that moment because that would have really given the movie, I think, a lot of credence, and that it it would have said no one is safe. Um, I'm trying to think what was a it it, it reminded me of almost fire. uh, Excuse me, Serenity, the movie Serenity. If you haven't Mm. seen that spoiler, yeah, yeah, yeah. skip it ahead, whatever. But when they killed Wash um, at the very end, it pretty much or right right before the end, 
it said, you know what? You are uh, no one is safe. And that to me was, uh, I felt like that was the wash moment, but a little bit, er- bit really early in the movie. So I, I thought to myself, oh, they're, they're letting us know no one is safe. And then when he came back, I went, oh, okay, maybe not. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I would have been okay with them killing Chewie if they had done it in a way that sort of did service to the character. Because Chewie's not mm-hmm. one of those expendable characters that you can just kill off and go, oh, oh, well. Um, they didn't you know. EU. But, well, Which was exactly. Awful. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But they killed uh, all the moon, for God's sake. I know. But I'm glad that they, again, for me, I never, I, I was like, he's not dead. I know, I know, I know. This is a great design, but gotta give it up to the people who designed this stuff. Like, I feel like the Rise of Skywalker, maybe because I'm biased because I love this movie so much. It just feels like Star Wars to me, and I love it. I love this stuff. It look, it looks perfect for me. God, I love, I just love this part. This is really cool. I mean, this is taking the Force Skype to, to the next level. Actually, seeing mm-hmm. him fight by doing that it just made for really cool unique lightsaber battle that i don't think we'd ever see phenomenal phenomenal battle again it reminds me of empire strikes back and i love this right here look at look at daisy Ridley's face this is the stuff i'm talking about she look at this that is perfect she's so good This reminds me of Empire Strikes Back, of all the taunting and the way that Kylo's taunting her, even through the Force Skype, and how they do that. See, this is the stuff I'm talking about. I this is it just feels it's not George Lucas Star Wars, but it feels like Star Wars to me. I love it. Yeah, this. I mean, I do love just the whole concept of what they did here, taking that Force connection to the next level and having a lightsaber duel. Where at first you think maybe they're like, sort of, this is them each having a vision through the force or they're kind of fighting in their minds or whatever. But then once they start like spilling the objects and stuff and you're like, no, now they're taking this connection to the next level where they're actually being like in each other's spaces. Um, and you know, we've never seen the force do this before. It like transcends Mm -hmm. space, but you know, I mean, Luke did that with the force projection. I mean, the world between worlds is kind of like that. So I do like that. They're expanding the, uh, you know, the boundaries of, of what you can do with mm-hmm. this. And let's give it, let's actually be appreciative of the fact that we got a lightsaber fight with his mask on. Yes. Yeah. That does look pretty cool. God, it looks so good. And that would have been I a love, major missed opportunity if we never got absolutely. that in any of these movies. <laughs> yep. And I love it when he, when he, when he, when he, a couple of scenes ago, when he takes the lightsaber and shoves it down, God, and the way that yeah. they shot that, God, it's so good. This is so good. God, I love this movie. <laughs> and that's a cool transition there where you see mm-hmm. the, uh, the background of Kajimi behind her. And as she walks around, like the edge of the screen becomes the wall of the room that she's in. Do you also love the sound effects, the, or whatever it is. You know what I'm talking about? Like it's like you hear it a couple times when they're when they're swinging the lightsabers at each other. I don't know what it is exactly, but I just love the way it sounds. Well, I, I don't know exactly what you're that. talking about since we're not actually listening to it with sound on. But well, well the good news is is well, I'll be we'll we'll have another episode and I will show you guys then. I'll put it on and be like, what's in this, guys? Hmm. And you'll hear exactly what I'm talking about. Just remind me. <laughs> and now I'm laughing because the last time you did that, it was with the, he's trying to eat me. 
Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I forgot about that. Thanks for reminding me. Now it's this is this is one of those half baked ideas in this movie that I love the concept of Hux being the first order spy, but it, they give such a paper thin explanation for it. Like there's no build up to it except for the fact that we know there's a spy, and. The only reason he does it is because he's just wanting to spite Kylo. Like nothing has made him lose faith in the First Order or or sympathize with the Resistance. But he's he's worked so hard his whole career to work his way up to the top within the First Order. And then he's willing to throw it all away just to be petty to Kylo Ren and he gets himself killed. Like I feel like they could have done so much more with that and it could have been a really interesting subplot. But it's so like, disappointingly shallow for me and yeah it, it totally it totally works for me because of huck's character he is exactly. that petty. and mm -hmm. to me with kylo ren in charge as the supreme leader this isn't the first order that he signed up for and believed yes. in. it's kind of mm -hmm. gone now exactly. and he, he'd rather see it fall with kylo ren lose than i think for him to succeed with it so that's why it kind of works for me though i do wonder how things would have played out if it would have been you know, unnecessary if they kind of went the Agent uh, Callus route with him, where mm. he escapes with Finn, Poe, and Ray here, and he joins the Resistance. I don't know if that would have added anything to it, but to me, Hux isn't one of the main players in this movie. So the fact that he got to play somewhat of a bigger role than he had in the other two was being having a significant thing to do is being the spy and then just being killed off. It, it works for me overall. Even like I said, too, his motivation for it makes total sense for me as well. This was this is where I was on the edge of my seat. And oh, I'm like, man, okay. Paul, yeah. I'm like, yeah, this is where you know, this is where I'm like, okay. I'm like, okay. And, and I'm like, here it is. What why is what is the emperor? What is her, you know, what is she? Yeah. And when he tells her he's she's a palpatine, I just went, huh? <laughs> and I and I went, oh, that's why I kept seeing things on YouTube about her and palpatine together. I'm like, why is that? Why, you know. Oh crap! I was like not thinking about it, and then when he reveals here that they're a dyad in the force, I went, "Oh, that's interesting, huh?" And then I started thinking, like, oh, "That's kind of cool." I immediately connected to me. I went, "Oh, okay, that makes a lot more." I immediately said to myself, "Okay, last Jedi makes a lot more sense now," I, and I'm not trying to be a jerk. I, I'm being for real. It 100% made me realize, "Oh, that's why they have a strong connection." They're, they're, they have this unnatural thing that like is between them that we've never heard of. What is that exactly? But you automatically know there's some significance behind it because that the emperor doesn't know and Palpatine does or um, Kylo does. So yeah. I immediately bought into everything that was going on just because of that. I'm like, great. We retconned Last Jedi because that's what it is, and we and we yeah, it's it way better. It, it, yeah, it's but yeah. It takes all the best aspects of the Last Jedi, and enhances it, in my opinion. And it just and that that's coming from the very minute I heard it, I yeah. was like I bought in. Now, as someone who liked the Last Jedi, and I don't think that's entirely why I have this opinion. I mean, we just maybe take things differently. But when he mm -hmm. says you're a Palpatine, I was sitting there in the theater going, mm, like. I thought that was kind of disappointing, mainly because that was a fan theory that we've heard ever since Force Awakens, and it was one yeah. of the ones that I always thought was ridiculous. Like, she's going to be Palpatine's granddaughter? Like, no way. Um, and so the fact that that was confirmed, I was like, eh, not sure if I like that. 
the dyad in the force thing. Yeah. Honestly, I don't really like it. And, and here's why I just think it's unnecessary. And, and here's the thing. It's, you know, as much as you like to criticize me for for thinking I need things over explained in this movie, I think the I think the dyad is over explaining things. We already mm. see a strong connection established between them in the Last Jedi. So if they just continued having their their Force Skype sessions and even taking that to the next level, I mean, we know they're both incredibly powerful Force users. Rey's descended from Palpatine. Uh, Kylo is descended from Anakin Skywalker. Like. They're two powerful force users that have a very strong connection that was created by Snoke. So we already have an explanation as to why that is. The Last Jedi tells us Snoke is the one that bridged their minds and then they kind of just created, you know, became bonded in the force through that. And then if they just continued to expand on that and grow in their their abilities or whatever, I'm totally cool with that. I don't need the explanation of like, oh, it's this mythical thing that hasn't been seen for generations. But the other reason I don't like it is because it ends up not really serving a purpose in this movie. If it ended, it, you know, if they had this dyad connection and were able to do like some incredible things with the force together that they couldn't do separately. And that was how they defeated Palpatine. I would be totally fine with it. But the only purpose that the dyad actually serves in the movie is for Palpatine to drain their life force and become whole again, and then chuck Kylo down a hole, and then Rey defeats him by herself, and then Kylo sacrifices himself to save Rey. They accomplish nothing together as a dyad, so it's... Ooh, that is... Ooh, 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 See, ooh, I, I'm on ooh. two fronts with that. I disagree with you, Kyle, on the concept of the dyad. I think it's great to add that new layer to the Force that we never knew about, but now it exists. But I do agree with you and how it plays in the ending. I guess we'll get to that once that moment comes but that is actually one of my d biggest disappointments of the film once we get to there i right. don't see uh, God, God, uh, okay just yeah, well, before we get there before before we get there it's really fast i have to say you're wrong because what happens when he when she's about to strike the emperor down she has a lightsaber and she transfers it to ben because of the dyad yeah and it's yeah awesome. and then but, you yeah, know that's the whole that's the ending of the movie but the thing is I see. We're jumping okay, way ahead. So she passes him. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll get to this more later. Sorry. But. Oh my gosh. Oh. I and I know. Listen. But, see, the reason I'm disappointed with this is because I love the idea so much. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I wish they had done so much more with that, and also with with Ben Solo in general. Like, sorry. but we're we're jumping ahead. Right, sorry, everyone. I'm my my microphone. I'm I'm all I'm all giddy. I have to say, I understand and respect the fact that the dagger is overly complicated and doesn't make a lot of sense. So for people who don't like it, I respect it. I, I, I totally, under, I totally understand why it doesn't work for a lot of people. And I, I, I just go with it and it works. Yeah. And, and I, see, I totally get it. doesn't, it's not, it doesn't make sense. I don't love it. Like it is, it is silly especially because it's some ancient artifact looking thing, but obviously it's, you know, somebody within the last 30 years came and traced the outline of the Death Star into that dagger, unless it was some ancient Sith dude that did it from a vision or something. But I'm like, as much as it is kind of silly and ridiculous, like it's one little MacGuffin thing. And yeah, that in the grand scheme of things doesn't matter to me nearly as much as like the big character stuff. Yeah. This scene you could have cut out. I feel like these two, like, hello, like, Bunny beats, they could easily cut these out and then be fine. Yeah. 
like I, I, I feel like the, the the one criticism I think of this movie is that I think they could have, and I had the same criticism with Last Jedi too. They could have easily made it a little more streamlined, um, in general. A couple, even though like, there's a lot going on in this movie, and I actually praise the editing of this movie. To be honest, I'm being serious. I do think there's a couple scenes that JJ probably should have taken out, like the "no thank you, no thank you," and you know the whole the little like hilarity beat there with uh, Poe and three PO there. As much as I love that scene, I love three PO. I don't think you need it. I, I know they're, they're trying to get, you know, rejuvenate some humor into the movie. And that's important. I think to sell to a mainstream audience, but I think getting to this scene ASAP is a lot more important. And just, again, just making the film longer than it needs to be, or maybe take that scene out and put in more, uh, Ray Kylo stuff that we'll hopefully see in, in a future release of this movie. So I don't know. That's no, this scene, I like that Finn finds a connection and a kindred spirit yeah. with somebody else who's a stormtrooper who left. I, and I like the idea of Finn being Force-sensitive in this movie. What I don't like is the explanation of Janna, how she's like, oh, it wasn't all, you know, it like, wasn't even a choice. It was like an instinct, like a feeling, really. And then Finn's like, yeah, and then he starts talking about the Force. And it makes it seem like, so all of these stormtroopers that mutinied and and turned away from the first order like are they all force sensitive like it and mm. it's it's almost making it seem like anybody that that turns away from something that they know is wrong um or or you know refuses to be a part of something evil they're doing it because the force told them to as opposed to just them being a good person so i feel like it takes away a little bit of agency from their characters um so I don't love that part, but I do like the idea of setting up, you know, Finn having some degree of force sensitivity without going full on Jedi like Ray. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I get it. I, I wish Finn was more of a Jedi in this movie. And, and I've, I've gone on record saying that, but again, it, that's a, that's, that's a criticism, not of this movie, but the whole, the whole trilogy as a whole, I think there's so many missed opportunities in this, in this trilogy. And I can't blame the rise of Skywalker because it's only the third, it's the third story of what, what came before it. So I can criticize the leadership and the writers before it, not setting up, you know, to where they or following through on a couple things and, and not explaining things a little better. But, but yeah, I, I, I kind of feel like it's almost like a, the, the, the stormtroopers themselves, Cal are kind of like an extension of the kids from the last Jedi. It was like, Oh, these are the new force users kind of a thing. So, but again, I wasn't really into that. I, I, I don't think the force should be for like this super, it should be more specialized and not just like every other person having it, you know, that well, I don't think now here's the thing. And again, we can get into this later, but if you think that the scene at the end of the last Jedi is saying that anyone can use the force, I disagree with that. Like, no, 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 no. I, I know you're not, you're not saying that either, but, um, but no, and, and that's the thing is I want to be a little more specialized. I, I think I, that's what I want. And I think that, that with the kids at the end, and I think even with the, with these stormtroopers having all of them, you're kind of insinuating that anyway. It's just not, that's not exactly what, or ugh, blah, I just said, oh, that just happened failed. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, so, uh, <laughs> little deep cut there for you guys. Uh, no, I, I just, I don't, I'm not saying that's what they're doing, but they definitely insinuate that. And I don't really want that. I want the force to be more specialized, but anyway, that being yeah. said, yeah, I'm kind of in the minority here where I didn't even really want Finn to be force sensitive because oh, we oh, talked about oh, this okay. before where 
how I just thought it was a cool aspect of his character for someone who's not particularly force sensitive or a Jedi, but yet he held his own with a lightsaber in the force awakens showing that he kind of was a little bit more special, maybe than your average fighter, but not quite on the Jedi level as which we saw in the force awakens. He can handle lightsaber, but yet he couldn't beat that stormtrooper. He couldn't beat Kylo Ren, but yet he could handle himself with it, which I thought was cool for his character to show someone could do that and not necessarily be a Jedi. Yeah. I know that was kind of something that a lot of, fans and people were considering as a possibility ever since the force awakens that he could be a jedi and force sensitive so i know it was kind of a fulfillment for a lot of fans who were hoping for that and it's not the worst thing in the world for me but it's just some i would rather have it the other way but not an end of the world type thing for his character arc at all for me it's still kind of cool to see but i just would have preferred it the other way yeah and i mean i kind of like both like i definitely liked it the way it was before but now introducing that possibility of him being force sensitive i think opens up cool new ideas and possibilities mm-hmm. for maybe potential future stories they could tell. Okay, here's another thing. I'm not a huge fan of this scene either. Like, she goes in here to get the Wayfinder, and when she sees the dark vision of herself, I know it's supposed to, like, mirror the Dagobah cave on from, from Empire, where Luke fights the vision of himself. But, like, Luke learns something from that. You know, he learns a lesson from that. Ray, this is just like a boogeyman that jumps out and scares her. It's not tempting her with power or showing her something about herself. Um, I mean, I guess you could say it's showing that she has a dark side to herself, but we've already seen that and she already knows that and she's, she's struggling with that, but it's like, it's like they threw that in just for the sake of having a dark Ray vision and then it scares her and she falls out and that's how she ends up back out there with Kylo. Okay. So I disagree only because I understand it's, it's not the same. You can't be the same, as, but here's the deal. You have what she's repeating what Leia said to her. Don't be afraid of who yeah. you are. And that, again, she has a vision of this when Kylo grabs the helmet. That's her sitting on the throne. That's Dark Ray. It's right. her with the white eyes. So I think that the, it's, she's seeing what she's afraid to become because she's seen it. And then she's literally hearing her mentor's words speak you know, being spit by her dark side self. So it freaks her out. So I actually can totally get into the fact that it's like that dark side cave or it's dark side entity from the death star that she walks in and that starts bringing that, that side of her out. And she's like, Oh crap, that's what I have to be aware of. It makes it to me. It's not as me as impactful as a Dagobah cave, but I think it serves its purpose fine. It, I yeah. think it, it it does well enough for me anyway. Yeah, it's, I agree. It even goes to, leads us to what Kylo just said right there, saying you can't go exactly. back to her now. Right now, here's mm-hmm. the thing, though. No, uh, I guess that's true. <laughs> uh-huh. No, 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 no. I'm not. I'm we not thinking. It. I'm not <laughs> thinking just that. But I also think because when she comes out of there and Kylo goes, "Look at yourself," like you can't go back to my mother now. And I, I'm like, "Well, what did she do?" Like she didn't do anything right there. She just had a vision of herself. But I'm sure he's probably referring. I mean, I guess the only way it makes sense is if he's referring back to like her shooting the lightning and blowing up the transport and stuff. Because aside from uh, uh, refer- aside from that, she hasn't actually done anything that's like dark side. Well, I think it's that, and the I think I think you're right. This is such a weird thing. I, I like this, but it also looks weird in that angle. But anyway, um, I think you're right, Kyle. But I think what he's insinuating is the fact that he's trying to make her feel bad for being a Palpatine and what she did. Yeah, that's what I. He said, you're a Palpatine. You can't go back to her. You're, you come from evil. And that's why it makes it it's impactful that he doesn't know that Leia says that to her and that, that her dark side self says that to her as well. By the way, Puppet Maz 
1,000 times better than all CGI mods. Yeah, I, you know, when I watched the documentary, I was like, I had no idea that they did mods as a puppet for this movie. So yeah, I like that. Now, again, I mean, you know, I have issues with that scene. Just I wish they had set that up more. Uh, Mm -hmm. You know, just some minor subplot about Leia being sick or something as opposed to just mod. You know, she suddenly just walks off looking all, you know tired and and not well and Maz turns to the audience and goes oh this is the part when Leia is gonna die now boy I love this lightsaber battle though man. it's yeah, it's, it's moving up there in the rink is one of my favorites just the whole um, emotion behind it you're just seeing I love the ferocity that Ray is showing in her fighting style the kind of confidence that Kylo was showing and I had a conversation with us on Twitter about how this is the most Vader I think Kylo has felt in a lightsaber battle, kind of so sure of himself that he's going to win this because mm. he knows Ray's struggling with herself, fighting her emotions and struggling with the dark side, and she's going to tire out. And he just kind of has to wait on that. And you can just feel that confidence in him. I just love that their ferocity and his confidence bouncing off each other in this lightsaber battle. And just even their skill and the choreography, how it's so different from just that raw battle we saw in The Force Awakens with them going at it. It's just on a different level here, just showing their experience. And I just love this move in particular right there with Ray, where she knocks his lightsaber down. This is so great. And just seeing the force powers that they're using against each other. I just love it so much. This is probably already the, one of the more underrated lightsaber battles. I think, again, the acting, the setting is phenomenal. Uh, the, the, the this, Again, both actors are just killing it in their facial expressions of everyone, of how much they're throwing at each other. They are going at it, man. They're not just kind of, you know, again, this, this looks, you said it, you said it, Tim. It's just, it's a ferocity of both, both actors is phenomenal. And also think about this. This is the first time that Kylo Ren beats Ray. Like he doesn't beat her until yeah. this. And he just, he finally bet, he finally beats her. And, and what's I love great it, about it though he beats her, but yet she's the one who kind of wins and he gets turned. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. See, oh God, see, I love this man. This is so great. I love this movie. I keep saying it, but I do. I, this movie just, it just, this is what I wanted star Wars. The force awakens to start out as was something like this, this movie. And I know it's not, you know, we could have, would have, should have, whatever, you know, everyone loves Force Awakens. God, I love this. Yeah, because they had to but, remind the audience of what Star Wars was because the prequels weren't real Star Wars. I know, but uh. this, this was, this to me is what I, I want. And I wanted a continuation. And I know we could, this will be a heavily debated thing for a long time about with Leia and what this means. But you know what? I kind of like the fact that not everyone loves it. And it is so content. It is a very contentious thing. Cause you know why that to me shows you that it's, it there's, there's substance behind this. And when there's substance behind this, it gives us something that we'll always talk about and disagree with. I kind of like that. And you so, can say the same I, thing for the last Jedi. Yeah, but not for like, the, you know, this is one small part of the movie, not the whole crux of the whole idea of the movie and the, and the try to rewrite the this whole saga. Is a anyway, big crux of the movie, but no, uh, it's not the, it's not the heart of the movie though, sir. It's not. Let's mm-hmm. upend the Agree whole to saga. Disagree. It all about, dude, it is, it is not trying to make it a rando saga. No, but it's, yeah. but exactly. It's not. That's what I'm saying. I'm saying it's not. You're, it's not rewriting the. It's not trying to uproot the entire thing that's come before it. No, but this to me is the emotional crux of the movie, and I think 
I mean, we just talked about this on our last episode, so I don't need to go into all my reasoning behind it, but it doesn't work for me. It's just, it's too much going on all at once. Things that are abrupt, things that are unclear. um, Just, and it's, it's each of these moments, like Ray, Ray struggling with the dark side and then seemingly giving into the dark side by stabbing Ben and then kind of snapping out of it and, and showing him compassion and, and healing him. Uh, Ben beginning his journey to the light side, Leia's death and everybody else grappling with that, like to have all of that going on in a relatively short span of time. Uh, and I think there's, you know, it, uh, I don't know. It, 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 just, it, it, it doesn't for, work. It is me. a lot going on. I agree. And I think it does take multiple viewings kind of to take it all in and kind of appreciate what's mm-hmm. all taking place there. And I just, the more I see it, just the more I love it. That's why it's become yes. my favorite scene of the movie. And just looking at each character's, what they're going through their heads right here. I'm just thinking of Kylo right now. I mean, think back to that moment in The Last Jedi where mm-hmm. those who consider family, Luke, from his point of view yeah. now, attempting to kill him, and now someone here, his mother finally reached out to him, like we talked about in the last episode, at least how I'm taking it now, where someone from his past is welcoming me back, at least having that opportunity for him. And now the person he's been trying to hunt down, convert to the dark side, who he probably views hates him, is showing compassion when all he knew was kind of betrayal from those from his past or that he considered were family. So it's just totally new things going in Kylo's mind right now, where, which I totally buy into with him bringing him back to the light to leading up to that full redemption, which we're going to get pretty soon in another great moment. But just again, I agree a lot of stuff going on, but the more I see it, the more you kind of appreciate the small details of what all the characters are going through and what's all taking place there. And I think also we talk about how Ray just randomly goes to the dark side. We already saw Ray go to the dark, the dark side with the with the lightning. So she's already. Oh, right. Well, no, and I'm not. I'm not saying that that was abrupt. I'm just saying that that was a big. I, I don't know. It, it's it's just a big intersection of a lot of different different character arcs that I think it's and, just and, and, it's a lot to sort of try to process in one moment. And I, I think, but I think, I think in that moment though, like like Tim said, I think there, there, the fact that there is so much going on, and you have to watch it a couple times. Again, you, 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 I'll give you that fact that the last Jedi is also similar, similar to that way. But I think for me in this, because it's not the main, like, not like the main. I don't think it's the emotional beat of the story. That's just my opinion. It's an aspect of the story. But because it's an aspect that it's not crucial to, I think, enjoying what happens later on completely, again, for me, that I like the fact that it's a little bit more subtle or you have to kind of, not subtle, that's not the right word. You have to you have to make your own conclusion a little bit. And there's different ways to interpret what happens. And I do like that. And I think that's very much a Star Wars thing. There's multiple ways to interpret it. Like right here with Han, is this... We don't know if this is in Kylo's mind and he's making it up on himself and he's trying to redeem himself here, or is this Leia? We don't no, know. No, that's but not we, Leia. He says you're but, just a memory. And Han says your memory. Oh, whoops. But again, we don't know that. We don't know if Leia is playing a part in that because, again, this again, this is why I love the scene. So, or I love what they did here with Leia because you don't know exactly what she does because what ha- what's the scene right after this? It's when Palpatine says the, the princess of Alderaan has altered my plans. So you immediately know she's behind something. What is it? And you can you can you can make a case for this, for for Ray, for for Kylo, for all of it. And I love the fact that it's not def- 
definitive. You can make your own conclusion. And again, not everyone's going to like that. And I totally respect it. And I, but for me and, and even my wife, she is like, you know, she's not really into Star Wars or any of this stuff. She liked that idea too. Cause again, it gives the viewer the, the options. Like there's no definitive answer. And that feels, even though George probably hates this movie and will never want to watch it and reject it. It feels like a very much a George Lucas thing because George never overly explained things either. And he tried to make it a little ambiguous at times, you know, for the most part. And I like that about it. I used to hate that about Star Wars at the times, but now I really embraced it because I love these conversations. And again, when you do it, you don't have a very distinct path. You're not going to have people all on the same page obviously but and before we move on i just gotta say obviously i thought the scene was a beautiful scene and the whole i know is is beautiful yeah i was like i don't think that scene could be any more perfect than what it was yeah yeah Yeah. i mean just the callbacks to the force awakens was just fantastic it was just showing the exact opposite what you were hoping for to happen when han solo first confronted ben in the force awakens and we get to see the Kind of obviously a little too late, but we get to see the fruit of that bear out in this movie with Han bringing him back to the light side. It's just so perfect. And the dialogue, the acting, Kylo, I mean, Adam Driver, this shows what a great actor he is in that scene there. Just so everything about it I love. Now, I wonder too if General Pride, is he, I haven't done the math yet, but he's, as he says, as I served you in the old wars, Obviously, he's referring to the Galactic Civil War, the old trilogy. But could he yeah. be young enough to have served in the Clone Wars, too? Could he be like an upcoming cadet during the Clone Wars and served under Chancellor Palpatine? I don't think he would have fought in the Clone Wars. I think he definitely lived through them, probably yeah. as a kid. Because um, he doesn't seem super old. I mean, well, if you want to do the math real quick while we're talking over the uh, obligatory super weapon use in a J.J. <laughs> Abrams Star Wars. And movie. before you, yeah. I, I know I just talked. To, I know I just talked a ton. I just really quick before you move on. This is pro- that was probably my least favorite scene in the whole movie. This, this, and this are my least favorite parts in this whole movie. The whole super weapon. Everyone has super weapons. It is so dumb. I'm like JJ. Why did you do that? Yeah, yeah that so was like you just couldn't move. resist. Could the you, fleet huh? of ten thousand? Exactly. The fleet of ten thousand star destroyers wasn't enough. Now they all have to have Death Star lasers. Yeah. Okay. So anyway, I apologize. Just want to say that was my least favorite part of this movie, and I totally understand why people hate, like, don't like this part. I agree. This is my least favorite part, but I just go with it. Anyway, continue. Yeah, that's fine. Um, no, I, I was just gonna. I mean, we were talking about General Pride. It's not that important. I was gonna see. You know, let's say like if he's seventy years old. And then Galactic Civil War was 30 years ago, so he'd be, like, in his 40s, and Clone Wars was 20 years before this. So, yeah, I mean, I guess if he was, like, 20 or early in his early 20s, he maybe could have fought during the Clone Wars. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I do love this scene with, uh, you know, Poe talking to Leia's body and just, you know, I mean... It's it's interesting to see sort of Poe's character arc and how um, obviously he starts out like the cocky hotshot pilot and then he learns a lot of lessons about leadership in The Last Jedi and now he's really grown into that role and embraced, you know, this this leadership role and this responsibility for all these people and he's admitting like he's scared and he doesn't have all the answers and doesn't know how we're going to do this. Um, and just this nice, you know, heart to heart moment between him and Lando is cool to see. Yeah. I do love the meme that came out not too long ago yeah. after the movie where he goes, how'd you guys do it? Lando goes, we had Ewoks. <laughs> oh, I haven't, I haven't seen that one. <laughs> That's really the truth behind it all. That's how they did it. <laughs> <laughs> I do like this small short exchange between Poe and Finn right here. It kind of 
showing the respect for each other general, and friendship. General. Yeah, exactly. I agree. Yeah. That is great. Again, I, I, I do. I Dio, I thought was a worthless character, but obviously you need it for this scene right here. Yeah. I mean, they easily could have like gone back on OG's ship and yeah. found a data chip or something. Well, I guess OG's ship is on the Star Destroyer still, but you know, I, I don't you think can, Dio is an absolutely essential character, but it's whatever. Yeah. Yeah. This was, I, I will say another missed opportunity for, I think JJ was for raid to only see Luke again at this point. I did think that I, I did assume that they would be talking more in between this movie and last Jedi. Uh, but yeah, whatever. Yeah. I mean, I would have loved to see more to have Luke have more screen time in this movie in general, but I do think yeah. the way he's used here, I actually really enjoy it. I, I love this scene. I think I was the first one that started clapping when Luke walked out in the theater on opening night. Um, and also his line here where he says a Jedi's weapon deserves more respect is absolutely not like taking a shot at Ryan Johnson in the last Jedi. I mean, you can look at it that way if you want, but it makes perfect sense for his character arc because by the end where he's at, at the end of the last Jedi, he would totally agree with that. Like Luke at the end of the last Jedi would say the same thing. No, I I think you're right. I, I, but I do think you could read into it that way. If you, if you wanted to, and I think it's very, it's very easily, you could very easily do that too, but that again, that's just me. I, I, to be honest, I think there's a little bit of that, but not not as much as people want to think. If that makes any sense? Yeah. This is one of those surreal moments seen for the first time because you've heard Mark Hamill talk about it in old interviews for during the filming of the original trilogy when Lucas would tell him the plan of the nine movies and how he would eventually become the Obi-Wan Kenobi character. And this is really yeah. where we're seeing it on full display. Mm-hmm. Just as a force yeah, goes true. dispensing wisdom. It's just really cool, but yet surreal seeing Luke this way, but I still love it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And it's just yeah, this... great, great pep talk here that he gives her about, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and getting her to confront, you know, even though she's facing Kylo and Palpatine and everything, she says, you know, the thing I'm most afraid of is myself. And um, obviously he's gone through that. I mean, really, th- he, I'm sure he felt the same way. That's why he wanted to hide himself away from the rest of the galaxy. Um, and so he's well, going to and, and now he's doing yeah. and the fact that she's trying to do the same thing that he did when she says, you know, I'm doing what you did. I'm, I'm staying here. I can't, you know, hurt anybody else. And he's doing what Yoda told him to do which is learn from your failures and pass on those lessons and so yep. you know he's telling her no i was wrong um and then of course seeing here you know leia saber this flashback of, of her training <laughs> with luke is just so cool yeah this is great i was again i was not expecting them to take off their masks or their visors here and we're just supposed to assume okay yes yeah, luke and leia but you don't want to show them but i mean they went full blown on like the cg de-aging there and it looked mm-hmm. great and just the idea of Luke training Leia for in the ways of the force a lot more than we ever thought he did going based off the new canon because there was so much that was very little hinted at that in some of the novels and everything pre or post Return of the Jedi I should say but yet him training Leia is something that felt always natural I think us fans always imagined of after Return of the Jedi before we knew there was a sequel trilogy or if you haven't read any of the books even in the past EU just him training Leia just seemed like the natural progression for the characters to do. And even though her, she decided to stop her training, just the fact 
that they did build on that and it's only strengthened their relationship as brother and sister and learning the ways of the force it's just it's so cool to see on screen and knowing that that has happened now between the two of them it was just really cool to see because i was not expecting that that was probably the last thing i was expecting to see in this movie a flashback with luke and leia training oh, yeah, as jedi knights it's just really cool to get that I love this scene and, too of Luke lifting yeah. the X-wing. Um, now here's the thing, and it's funny because when I when I saw this on opening night, I remember thinking, um, I, it made me think of Luke in the Last Jedi when he turned when R two shows him the hologram of Leia, and he kind of smiles but he goes, "That was a cheap move." I'm like, that's like it was almost a little bit too much, like going for the nostalgia and the fan service there. But it's just such a good like heartwarming moment. I'm like, I love it. I love hearing Yoda's theme again and and seeing the X wing come up and all that. And even yeah. the the callback to just that brief shot where you see it underwater in the Last Jedi. I like that that continuity. Um, so I I have no problem with it. I love it. I did have a slight problem with like watching the documentary. Uh, of the making of this movie. And I forget if it was either like Chris Terrio or JJ Abrams was talking about that scene. And they're like, Oh, and it like brings Luke's character arc full circle. Cause you know, in, in empire strikes back, like he wasn't able to do that. Now he's finally able to lift the X wing. And I'm like, okay, yeah, like that's cool. But he could have lifted the X wing probably by like the end of return of the Jedi. Like it's not like but, he's finally ascended to the point where he has Yoda level powers and can lift. But you're, shit. you're, but you're reading too much into that from a, from a very like, well, you're not, you're no, no, and I'm just, I'm just I'm just making a little side note that I didn't like that in the interview. That doesn't have any effect on how I see it in the movie, so I'm not I, criticizing I, the movie for that. No, no, no. I, I think, and I think they mean it from a mainstream perspective. I think it's yeah. full. I think they mean full circle from the mainstream, and that's because they're not thinking it from like from an art aspect. They're thinking it. From, they're looking at things how to sell to the audience, and that's what. I, they're thinking of and that's what i i appreciate and can understand that's exactly what they're doing and I, by the way i love this i love that like this all the stuff with yeah. her going x-wing and like her going through the unknown regions i'm like this is like kind of surreal and when the scene the scene coming up with the x-wing in front of exegol with her in the blue background is so amazing to me oh i love it Another quick thing, what's uh, R2 backed up C-3PO's memories. Until it's said otherwise, in my head canon, I'm taking it that he got his prequel memories back as well. He remembers everything now. <laughs> I, that was one of my hopes going into the movie, that they would establish that he gets his full memories back. And I was hoping when R2 did that, he would say, oh, my full memory has been restored. Or like he mentioned, Master Anakin, Master Luke, and Master Ray, <laughs> or something to the fact where he recognizes all of it. But mm -hmm. they didn't say anything, but they didn't say anything to say that didn't happen either. So that's how I'm taking it until said otherwise. Yeah, well, you know, JJ threw his one Palpatine line in there and was like, see, we acknowledge the prequels. <laughs> I love the fact that you bring up the hold maneuvers and they're like, please, it's one time. I'm like, thank you. Please just take that out of the, out of the, the possibility. Yeah. As much as I like that scene, it definitely opens the door for like, why don't they just do this more often? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Yeah. Which I, I do like to the me fact, is like, yeah. I, uh, <sighs> I like that they throw that line in there because, yeah, I think that's an awesome scene exactly. in, in The Last Jedi. And obviously it's like Agreed. not something Agreed. that you can do every single time. But I'm like, you don't need an explanation for that. Obviously, it's a story thing. Like, uh, you know, I, to be honest, but, I'm glad it's in there, to be honest, because people are going to be like, why don't they just do that? Yeah. 
so I, I think I mean you don't don't need it, but I, I'm glad they did put it in. To me, I mean it's it's on the same level as like explaining why there's an exhaust port in the Death Star in Rogue One. It's like it never really bothered me, but like sure, if people needed that explanation, well, there you go. Well, I, I to me, it's only because of do you have the the reason why they need the exhaust port? The whatever, yeah. I, I love that actually. So, and this whole speech right here with Poe and Finn, this is where I felt the opportunity maybe to mention Luke's actions at crate would have yeah, been in here yeah, where Vince telling Lando's going to go to the core systems and hopefully with the, them being inspired with what Luke did to save us from crate would get him to join us in this battle. Something to that effect. Yeah. Yeah. But again, I choose to look at it as, you know, again, given the context that we see them talking about that I at the end of the last Jedi, that the galaxy already knows that like, yeah. and this is, that's just one more thing that they've, they've been inspired by leading up to this and that Luke's sacrifice maybe wasn't the reason for all of this. And that's not the reason, the main reason why everybody comes, but it's helped kind of get people ready for this moment. This shot right here coming up with the X wing is so cool. Um, right here, that is a great shot with the lights and Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> it, again, why didn't we have this in episode seven right off the bat? Like something like, oh my gosh. And again, it's just cool seeing her with the X-Wing pilot helmet mm-hmm. on after we saw her yeah. in Force Awakens on Jack, who kind of daydreaming with it on, kind of mm-hmm. being wondering what it was like. And there she is, not only flying yeah. an X-Wing, flying Luke Skywalker. Yeah, yeah. Luke Skywalker. She thought I, I thought he myth. was a myth. Yeah, and then exactly. she, she meets him, she gets his ship, she gets his lightsaber. Oh man, I got I got more to say, say about that when we get to you know what. But again, love the stuff we're going to unknown regions. This is fantastic. Oh, I love seeing that. Love those helmets too. Sith troopers are great. I wish you got a little more cool. of them. Yep. Yeah, yeah. I love in the original trailer we had this originally, and it was like a what, like a like a like a sun like a sunlight. Yeah, background. it looked like it was just cloudy. Like <laughs> yeah, now it's like full blue. Yeah. Made you wonder if there was going to be like a different aerial battle earlier in the movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This looks great. Yeah, I mean, the, the blue Exegol atmosphere is phenomenal. I yeah. love it. As much and, as and, I gave JJ grief in The Force Awakens for like not doing a proper space battle and just doing, you know, a bunch of aerial battles over planets, this is pretty dang cool. Yeah, this is a good, this is a solid space battle. God, I love this. See, it's a great setting for what could have been an amazing space battle, but I. That's one of my other biggest disappointments of the movie. Just this final battle, I don't think, wasn't as grand and epic as it could have been to be the final yeah. one. Not oh, like I agree. Saga, like, but to end the yeah, to end Palpatine. It, yeah. I, I think yeah. the, I think the setting and the visuals are cool, but you're right. As far as like the staging of the action and the scale of the actual battle itself, definitely could have been better. But I mean, we'll we'll get to that more when uh, you know when everybody else shows up. I would have loved it here if there was a scene where Ray saw Snoke in the tank just like Kylo did and just like did a double take. Oh yeah, that's a good, yeah, yeah, I could take that. I could take that. Yeah, this, this listen, this I, I definitely think that this could you could have done it more in hindsight with again with hindsight and all that jazz, but at the same time, it could have been it, it wasn't it's not terrible. I don't I don't think it's like No, it's not terrible, horrendous. but that's the thing where it's so cool. You want more of it. And it's for the final That's fair. battle. That's fair. Like, yeah. I think, it I think deserves it, to have that. it's a little disappointing that I, I think the battle of Endor is still the gold standard for a space battle in a star Wars movie. And the only uh, of all the Disney films, the only one that's come close to that was uh, the battle of Scarif. Yeah. 
I think the Battle of Scarif might be better, to be honest. I, I agree with that, actually. Well, my personal favorite is still A New Hope, but... That's Scarif true, is. yeah. And, you know, me and Sean from Marvel Newscast were talking about it today, about... He said he, he his favorite is, a, favorite is Revenge of the Sith. I'm like, well, good call. So, I mean... So, yeah, I don't know. I... Space battles, I I love Return of the Jedi. I think that that's that's like you know, yeah. Scarif did a, a phenomenal job, but this isn't that bad either, though. I again, this, uh, see, I'm sorry, Paul, but sorry, go I, was, ahead. I was just gonna say this moment is awesome. Saying they're not using speeders, then we get to reveal them riding mm-hmm. on the orbacks. This is great sequence, and we're gonna see a battle that we never gotten in Star Wars before. Basically, we just got what we saw in the trailer. The, in the sequence we didn't yeah. get really too many action beats with them on the ore backs fighting sith troopers it's a great idea yeah. and again, and again I, I wish like i know they were kind of saving it to be like a cool surprise reveal because you don't know that they're coming out on the ore box except we all did know because it was in the trailer but like yeah. i wish there was maybe a scene where finn goes in the back of the lander and gives them all a pep talk and reminds the audience that like these are all former stormtroopers who have all yeah. chosen to turn against yeah. the first order and like rally that you know like like hammer that home that would have been a really cool moment it'd be nice but again you don't really need it to like to tell a story because right now you just want to get to Ray versus Palpatine with Ben Solo and, and the space battle. So this is the problem with a movie in this scale. It's like, yeah. well, yeah, you, you want to get to that stuff, to, but like you could give us a reason to care about the other stuff more too. You could, but it's going to slow things down. And that's I, a, so I kind of see, yeah, no, I kind of see both sides. I was gonna yeah, say, that's always I just the see case both sides. you get when you have a star Wars movie that has action beat you gotta hit and phantom menace is probably the worst defender out of all of them where they're juggling four different beats and the best one obviously is the lightsaber duel but it's always the balance you gotta struggle with it seems when a star wars movie is having these different battle sequences for the end sequence of the movie and that's why the ones that only focus on one to me are the best like revenge of the sith where it's just two lightsaber battles and a new hope where you're just focusing on the death star attack so an empire throne oh this throne see this this is i know this is not i don't know i I love this this is all great this is this to me is just (laughs) i i this to me is why i love what they did with palpatine i love the fact that ray is now confronting her you know her what she where she comes from which is not necessarily what she wanted to come from and this is it's forcing her to look and say this is the heritage you always wanted everyone loves ray rando and all that or not everyone but a lot of people are very passionate about i want her to come from nowhere to come you know that that's whatever this to me is dramatically more more powerful because she's literally always wanted to have a family to belong to something. That's what she wanted. And now she's seen it. And it's like, wait, wait, I did not ask for this. And mm-hmm. she, it's facing her. What she always wanted is basically facing her right in front of the face. And she's like, oh, wait, I don't want this. And now she's like, how do I confront this? And it's teaching her a life lesson of, again, an important life lesson is that like this is how Luke says, there's things that are more power, more powerful than blood. And she's about to find what that find out what that is, because even though she thought that, or even though she always longed to have that blood relation family, she's realizing that really doesn't matter. Cause in the end you could be related to the most evil thing in the world. And that's not who you are. And you're seeing that on a very like mythological and, you know, way 
And I love it because that to me is the essence of Star Wars, at least from the Skywalker saga, bringing in that mythological element. This is what's so great about Star Wars. And I love seeing that. And again, the setting, everything is perfect for me of setting that up of why of the whole thing with Ray taking a new last name. And I think, again, the setup of that was beautiful with with Palpatine again. I understand the, the complaints about it, but to me, this is where the movie really hits home. And I just I cannot help but love this aspect of it. Yeah, I'm just, I agree with you, Paul. And I'm going to piggyback on that. This is the reason why I always felt she had to come from somewhere from significance is because it was built up so much in The Force Awakens. I mean, there's no denying that the reason is keeping her family a secret. And you knew there was a connection with her and Kylo in that movie. And the lightsaber calling to her, the vision that she had. You know she there was some significance to her past and to her family. And I just feel this is the culmination of that. And it works. And I just love what you were saying, how the thing that she wanted the most, that she longed for, was family. And right here, it's right in front of her, but yet it's become her greatest threat now and her greatest challenge to overcome and not to embrace that and to give in because her heritage is the dark side with Palpatine. So to me, it just builds on it's just a nice structure from what was built on the force awakens leading up to this. This is why mm -hmm. again, going back to the last Jedi where I was so disappointed when she says her parents were nobody, it just seemed to be such an anticlimactic buildup to what was established in the force awakens. Mm -hmm. And this to me is the opposite of that where it is a nice culmination of that, of seeing where her journey is going to take her. And then of course at the very end where it leads to her, but mm -hmm. I just, like I said, Paul, I just love all this, build up and discussion mm -hmm. with her and Palpatine here in here. That's, you know, this is again, building on what was established in the force awakens, which we right. didn't know at the time would lead to this, but yet I think it led into such a meaningful moment for her character arc. And I really, I, I reject the fact that people say that this is the same arc as, as Luke. And I'm like, no, this is completely different from Luke because with Luke, he didn't reject his family. I saw someone and she's like a, a, a very well-known writer and nerdist. And she said, it's the same thing. Luke rejected his family. I went, oh, 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 hold on a second. He saved his family. <laughs> yeah, he yeah. saved his family. I'm like, where do you get, like, how do you, I mean, you can interpret things any way you want to guess. You, but you could say they're, they're similar, but they're not, they're, they're definitely they're, not the same. Because the other thing, Luke's arc was never about, searching for a place of belonging. It was more about just right. like him, you know, leaving home and that sense of adventure and coming into his own as a Jedi. And he thought like right from the get go, Obi-Wan told him his father died. And so yeah. there was no he, sort of buildup or no search already. for, yeah, exactly, exactly. And then he gets mm -hmm. a, a twist thrown in when he finds out the Vader's his father, but exactly. that wasn't a buildup of, that wasn't the culmination of his story arc or like an answer that he'd been searching for a long time. Right. So, and, and I, I, so I totally reject the idea of, the fact that when people say Luke and Ray was, you know, same, it's the same thing. No, it's totally different because in the end, Luke accepts his family and loves his family. And he, cause he, he says, I'm a Jedi, like my father before me, accepting his family. Whereas in here, she's like, yeah, I, I, my family, you know, I reject you essentially what she does to Palpatine. So, um, yeah. So talking about Ben Solo here, I, I want to lead it up for you guys for a second. I, I love the fact, uh, the, ch the choice of not having him say anything mm. except for Al. Literally. I love it. Agree to disagree. I, I, think, I, I, think I think I, I want it. I, uh, I wish they had done so much more with his character after redeeming him. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. I, I guess I, I'm kind of in the middle. I don't hate it that he doesn't say anything, 
but at the same time, I do agree it would have been nice to hear him have a little bit of dialogue with Ray, at least at yeah. the very end. Yeah, and and I get that there's a lot of a lot of other stuff going on in the movie, so you don't have a ton of time for like more character development and stuff like that. And it's, it, I mean, it doesn't bug me a ton that he doesn't say anything, but it's also just I wish that he got more to do in the story. And really, more than anything, I wish that he and Ray defeated Palpatine together. Yeah, rather than rather than Ray just deflecting lightning yeah. back in his face again, except this time it's powerful enough to kill him, and then he comes and saves her. Well, and then he dies. well, I, I I've got reasons because but... this this build up here is so great with them what they're gonna do. Kylo struggling to defeat the Knights of Ren without a weapon. Ray pretending that she's gonna agree to what Palpatine wants and strike him down, but. To knowing what happens later because of their connection to the to the diet or being a diet of the force and to be able to pass on that lightsaber which is really great stuff and see, see this to me this this to me is what the dyad does pay off because again ben comes in he's about to get destroyed by the knights of ren and she's about to you know basically she's almost ready to, to do what palpatine says because she's like in order to save my friends and my family my found family, I have to kill my grandfather. And then in the midst of this, she's like, because of the dyad and their connection, she goes, wait a minute. And they've never traveled. They've never done this before. And then all of a sudden, bam, dyad, they're saved. The whole thing gets altered. So the dyad does, in fact, come huge right here. It's a whole point. They're able to even do anything. Well, OK, here's another thing. I, I think. Part of my issue with it is I don't like the setup for it where her other option is to kill Palpatine and therefore win his game or or, or or play into his game where he's like, strike me down and out of anger and hatred and my spirit will pass into you. And it's the Sith ritual. It's like, you're the bad guy. Why can't I just kill you to save the galaxy? Like, why does that have to be evil? You know, like because she because he, he, you know, she remember she how angry she was when she right, found right, out that right. he gave the but, order. Yeah. But, you know, she can't she be a Jedi that. and center herself and say, OK, I'm not doing this out of anger. I'm doing it because this is the only way to save the galaxy. Like, I don't know. It's and, and I know he says um, they built the whole movie up with her having these anger spells. So I, I totally buy into it. I mean, these again, from the move, this movie itself, I, I see it makes sense to me. Uh, see that moment right there. It's so cool seeing yeah. them with the lightsabers. Seeing them stand like, yes, side by side together anything. with the lightsabers. And then, yeah, exactly. That's, that's what, that's what, yeah, kills that's what makes it. Now, I don't know what you would do, like have both of them be blocking force. Like, I mean, now what would be no. really cool is if he gets, you know, fully healed, he's back to Darth Sidious form and he whips mm -hmm. out the double lightsabers yes. again, like he did against Maul and Savage. And you have a lightsaber duel between him and Ray and Kylo. Maybe That's, that would be a yeah. bit much, but that would have been freaking mm. fantastic. See, I would have think that would have been much. I think that would have been really cool because, again, I think that's where the dyad would come into effect. Yes, fully defeat Palpatine, and then maybe have he's them full power, and then yeah. maybe have it seem like he's about to defeat them, and they def they they defend themselves or they defeat him using some force power that we've never seen before, or some combination of force powers that they could only do with the two of them. Um, the, the the only problem is that, and and this is where I, I understand where they're coming from is that it has to be Ray's story, not Kylo Ren's story. And Does it, though? Be yeah, because Ray is, I mean, even though, again, Ryan Johnson made, like, had Ray disappear for the last 20 minutes of The Last Jedi, 
which was a mistake in my opinion, yeah. because Ray is because Ray is the main character. And even though I agree with you, though, that Kyle, that I love, you know, me, I love, he's one of my favorite characters now. And I love Ben Solo and I, I would have loved to have him more in the movie. But in the end, I think you had to, you, you started off with Ray as the main character. She has to be the one that, especially if he's, if you make her Palpatine's granddaughter, she has to be the one that defeats. Because and, well, and, and, and look, it, yeah. could, it could still mostly be her story. She could strike the killing blow. Kylo could still sacrifice himself to save yeah, her. But, but I just say, wish but he you, had gotten so much. People more will to do say, but people would say, well, he, you know, why couldn't Ray defeat him himself? We should have had that. You know, you're, you're because downplaying Because you set Ray. up this idea of the dyad. You got to do something with that. But the dyad, they did do something with it. You can't mm. ignore the fact they spent. The, oh my god, you can't ignore the fact they set the lightsaber against the Knights of Ren. Okay, yes, they did the, 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 something. But I wish That's that that I wish thing. that that had been the way they defeat Palpatine. Okay, I want to talk about this though for a second. Like I said on our on our last episode, I actually have come to love this scene now. With the space really? battle, with everybody showing up. When I first saw it, I was like, it's an endgame knockoff. I also still really wish that they hadn't shown that shot of the Falcon flying in front of all the ships in the trailer. Because that yeah. would have been a really cool surprise. But I love the idea that, like we said, that, you know, that these, they've been telling these stories, right? The legend of Luke Skywalker and, and, and Poe's worried that nobody has hope and nobody's going to come. But I love how throughout all of Star Wars... Or at least, I mean, I know in the prequels you have the Jedi Order, but like in, in the original trilogy, it was just this small band of rebel freedom fighters. And then in the, the sequel trilogy, it's just the resistance. And it's always just this scrappy, you know, band of, of fighters that are, uh, you know, relying on hope and luck and the force to, to stand up against tyranny and you know evil and that now those tales of heroism and bravery have finally inspired the rest of the galaxy to finally stand up against that and say like you know and prove that all these things they've been doing all along have made a difference not just in the fight against evil but in inspiring the rest of the galaxy um with their their ideals and their you know what they what they fight for and not just what they fight against so i actually really love that I, I agree with you. I, I know it gets the end game knockoff a little bit, but I think it's def it's different enough. But I think it works. And yeah. I also love how petty Palpatine is here. Like, well, you're yeah. a piece of crap. I'm not throw you over here because you did it to me. I just um, like how he's like so fed up with the Skywalker. Now. Like, yeah. He has everything that he needs for his power. And like, this is the mm -hmm. final like middle finger to the Skywalker. Yeah. <laughs> well said. I don't think I've ever heard you say something like that before, Tim. I don't think <laughs> that's really funny. You're like the most purest person. I know it's really funny you say that. Yeah, I again, this is where it works for me. I know, and, and Kyle, listen, I, I and I, I totally understand, and and wouldn't I wouldn't have minded if 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 Ben and and Ray would have helped if he would have helped out more to defeat Palpatine. I again, I'm coming from the perspective of just makes sense. If you make Ray a Palpatine, it's her trilogy essentially. She has to be the one to reject Palpatine and and defeat him because in the end she's rejecting where she comes from and that whole morale of she's you know it, even she has you can't have help. I think that's why I think it's a perfect I think it's perfect because it's a balance of she defeats she takes everything in her to defeat her past or where she comes from from the galaxy and then it's the Skywalkers sacrificing themselves. Again, the whole sacrifice of Vader that Ben, who he admired in Anakin, right? How he sacrificed himself for his son. He sacrifices himself for someone he loves or is connected to. 
with her that he can he actually can he actually finishes what Anakin started, like he says in the Force Awakens. Yeah. And I mm-hmm. like the, the, the I, see I like all that. I think it makes sense. I That's a great think, point too because the Skywalker legacy is sacrificed too because Luke does yeah. the same thing yep. in the Last Jedi. But exactly. I just I just don't think you could have it both ways. You can't say Ray and Ben are this mythical dyad and they have powers that no other two people have had for a generation, but then also say, oh, but it has to be, you know, just Ray's story and she can defeat Palpatine all by herself. It's like, well, then why establish that in the first place? Because they have the force connection. And then you also establish the fact that they're able to do those things and have a great setup with the, with the Knights of Ren. The fact that, you know, she's, you know, Ben is, is she realized that Ben is turned to the light side there to save her. So she sends the lightsaber again. Those are great moments. And the fact that the, he comes in and saves her at the end. And again, we don't know. And again, this is where it doesn't over explain it, but maybe because the dyad is able to why he's able to save her maybe in the first place. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't but think so. Cause she could also save a snake and she's not a dyad with that. She so. healed the snake. She didn't well, say yeah. she didn't resurrect the snake from, from death either. But I, I'm not saying you're wrong either, but I, I'm, I'm just saying you could argue that again, you could argue that. But to me, this to me, is where I think you had you had to have Ray defeat by herself. Again, it, it's not like she like, defeated him. And was like, all right, I'm good to go. It, she it, it killed her. She she was yeah. dead. It took Kylo mm-hmm. Ren to save her. And again, I love the callback. And again, I'm not saying I, I don't think it's wrong either to to want those things because I think it just shows you the fact that Ben is a great character and the dyad is a cool thing. And there is a cool there would there would have been better, not better, but there are different ways you could have done it and it would have worked. I just think this works equally as well. Mm. And, and they, again, go ahead, Tim. I'm sorry. No, I'm just gonna say I can't let the commentary go by without mentioning the four spirits voices talking to Ray in that moment. Yeah. And yeah. It was great. I was hoping for actual seeing the physical manifestations of Force Ghosts of Anakin, Obi-Wan, Yoda, and Luke, the ones we know who could do it. But what I've come to really love about that sequence, and this is how I'm taking it. We'll see if it gets contradicted anywhere. But I think she's channeling into the world between worlds there. It's I, I kind of think that too. And yeah. it's funny because even in the – I think in the novel it mentions it as yeah. – she calls it a space between spaces. So it's yeah. kind of indirectly and, referencing that. And to but. me it makes sense too where – because we hear voices – of Jedi who weren't force ghosts like Mace Windu, like Kanan. Mm-hmm. And what I, I go back to a line Ahsoka said in that episode where this place, it kind of represents for the spirit or like the remnants, remnants of Jedi's who have passed and become one with the cosmic force. It doesn't specifically say they become force ghosts, but that is a place where their memory or their essence kind of lives on and you can hear them or speak to them, so to speak. And I think that's why Ray, can hear those voices where they're not necessarily four spirits, but because she's channeling into the world between worlds, she can hear the remnants of the past Jedi who may not necessarily have been trained like uh, Obi-Wan, Luke and Anakin have to become four spirits, but even just the force itself speaking to her through the voices of these Jedi who have become part of the force. That's, true too. Um, that's kind of more how I see it, but, um, yeah, that's, that's a really cool scene. And as much as I would have loved to see like a force ghost Anakin too, I thought, you know, it was really cool to hear all those voices in there. Um, but of course, as we were talking about that, we skipped over the end of the duel or duel, you know, whatever you want to call it between Ray and Palpatine. And again, I just, I wish that Ben had been involved more and I wish that it had been more than just like, 
oh, I'm blocking your lightning, and then I am all the Sith. Oh, but I'm all the Jedi, and I've got two lightsabers, and now I'm blocking your lightning back at you, and it's going to melt your face off and then blow you up and conveniently destroy all your followers. And I don't know. I, I wish there was more to that. That just feels like an anticlimactic ending, and it's like really Palpatine went through all that hassle and all that rigmarole to come back just to get defeated by his own lightning again like okay whatever but but again i i, I think it 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 signifies the fact that she did not defeat him in anger because he was the one attacking her she just defended herself and was deflecting it back and again sure there there but, but again to me that powerful is the fact that because he he was passing away. There was nothing for him to go into at that point. Like there was nothing because he was supposed to have a willing participant to go somewhere else. And because the clones were running out because he, he, he obviously he, he, you know, things need to be escalated. And that's why he was getting Kylo Ren and Ray because, you know, in the movie he needed to get things moving. And with the fact that when she defeated him, he thought like, well, I'll just keep, you know, I'll keep having her, you know, hate me, hate me. And she's like, nope, I'm all the Jedi. And we're just going to, I'm just going to, again, I'm knowledge and defense, never do attack. And she wasn't attacking. Mm-hmm. She was defending herself the whole time. And of course, when, when this evil entity of, of things blows up, it may, it may yes, it's, it's going to be a little too convenient, but at the same time, at least I could see where it, it's such a powerful thing that it, destroys everything around it potentially i i could see it again it's convenient but you know what there's tons of conveniencies in star wars let's be real but i understand that, that complaint and i like and here I too this. where going back to anakin's goal from revenge of the sith what palpatine lured him with to save people from dying to bring back the dead he says only one has of a lock but together we can discover the secret that whole thing of trying to bring back those who died being manifested from the dark side, because that's how Palpatine lure Anakin in. I mean, what did he tell him when he asked him the possible to learn this power? Not from a Jedi. But yet, the only time we see it succeed is through the light side of the Force and through compassion here, mm-hmm. where Ben brings back Rey from the dead. I mean, like you said, Paul, she's dead, and he brought her back. And mm-hmm. just, again, that thing of coming full circle where things you would expect to go or that you were taught to believe were the dark side could have maybe been the only one to preserve life in the physical realm because the Jedi is about sacrifice and willing to give you up your life for a greater purpose. But yet here, Ben displays that it is possible through the light side, through compassion, to bring someone back from the dead when Palpatine thought otherwise. It's kind of like another a slap in his face after he, what he did to Kylo. Kylo proved wrong to him mm. as far as what could be done in well, that regards to the Force. And it's even kind of the same concept with the Force ghosts. Like you see... And and I guess the original trilogy doesn't really harp on this point as much of Palpatine trying to learn the secret of immortality, but it's like the Jedi are the only ones who can obtain that. Like, the only way you can become a Force ghost and manifest yourself through the Force after death is through the light side, not the dark side. Um, but then you're right, I also love here, like, the this sort of the idea that he's able to save her from death, and it's not only by using the light side and not the dark side, but it's through an ultimate act of selflessness. Mm. And... I'm sure you've probably heard in interviews and stuff like Dave Filoni keeps harping on this point and he says he learned it from George that all this mythology in Star Wars and all this light, good versus evil and light side versus dark side, it can really be boiled down into a simple choice that we can all make in our daily lives. And he said the light side is selflessness and the dark side is selfishness. And so Anakin or like, you know, Palpatine and then Anakin becoming Vader and, you know, 
the their quest for immortality was all about control and like trying to hang on to what they had and get more and more and more and just make themselves more powerful. Whereas, you know, Ben is finally able to accomplish that ultimate act of saving someone from death by giving up himself to save someone else. And that's not what Anakin, like Anakin wasn't willing to do that. He probably wouldn't have been, a, been willing to sacrifice himself to save Padme. I mean, maybe on the battlefield, he would have like jumped in front of a, a laser blast for her, but he probably wouldn't have been yeah. willing to, you know, give up his own life force to transfer it into her because he want, he wanted her to stay alive, to be with him. You know, he, it was that attachment that he struggled with. Yeah. So, um, and I think, I think that goes into another aspect of the dyad too, where maybe that is something that only when you have that connection, you can bring someone back from the dead through that way as well. Because I mean, it's not specifically laid out and maybe that is just a force ability that any Jedi or strong force user could use, but it will cost them their life. But I also wonder too, if that is something that is specific to the dyad connection that can make him transfer his life to her. I mean, again, I still go back to the idea that she healed the snake and, you know, it costs her a little bit of her energy. And if you do yeah. the math, you know, if you give up all of your life force, then someone who has no life force would come back to life as they now have a full but, amount of life force. But, you but know, maybe, but maybe but maybe that's something that they it's hard to do. You can't just it's like not as easy as like, oh, just transfer life force. It's It takes a very specific user or whatever. Or it's very rare to do. Yeah. We don't yeah. know. That's don't the whole point. Uh, again, it, 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 even, the, and look, that is very possible. I still wish that they had accomplished something together as the dyad more so than just he is able to save her because of their connection. I mean, that's still an important part. but that's, Well, it is yeah. a very important part, but I'm talking about... You know. I, I, I know, I know. It, the very, you, want, you want it to mean even more, more than it did... I think it serves its purpose more than enough and explains a lot of great, it helps explain. And for, again, for me, first fan, I want to see other dyads examples. Where is this? Where else is this? And, yeah. uh, that's I'm hoping I it's not know. too common. Hopefully, I yeah. like how Palpatine said it's had not no, seen I, a generation. I mean, so. to me, it's, no. it's basically just a, you know, it's like Anakin being the chosen one, but instead of one, mm. there's two. So I don't want every story to be about another chosen one or another dyad oh. or whatever. No, but the thing is, there's only one chosen one. Sounds like there's been a number of dyads. Not like, a, like 10 years, but like, you know, or, or whatever. But like one maybe every couple hundred years, something like that. So it'd be cool to get like a, maybe not a high Republic, but maybe like a mid old Republic, uh, story of a, of a dyad that like is a Jedi dyad or whatever that goes yeah, maybe on. Malak and Revan could have been a dyad. Mm. No, I mean, no, honestly, I mean, these are things again, or they Revan and Bastila. mythology. Yeah, yeah, exactly. These are the things that, that I think Chris Terrio and JJ have done that, uh, that will serve a purpose. Maybe we don't know about right now, but it will be used in the future for a great story. Mark but my I also, words. contrary to that, I also like just building strong relationships between characters and even building powerful force bonds between force sensitive characters without it having to be, it's this one mythological thing, like, and, and putting a name to it and making a big deal out of it rather than just Absolutely. focus on the characters and their abilities. You're right. No, no. And, and here's the thing, Kyle, you, you're absolutely right. 
And the problem is you can only do that so many times. But you also is it get boring if people always have force abilities. That's lazy writing at that point. So either one can be lazy if you do it all the time. So it's good to have a good like balance. And with, with, a, with a saga like the Skywalker saga that is based around a very traditional mythology, I'm glad they stuck with that. Now, in other sagas or whatever going forward, you know, yeah, do something different. But I think with this, it just makes a lot more sense in the context of other things, other things that come before it. And this... My oh, friends, yeah, is this, is it, right? the, this is this is to me what makes this movie. I love this movie, movie to death, but this is the cherry. This is the the thing that gets me emotional and will probably be mean most to me going forward. As you guys know, um, you know, well, I'll get into that later. But, um, but to me, is is one of the most important parts of I think the saga. Totally. And in this trilogy, it's beautiful. Yeah. Now, first of all, I'm, I'm sure you guys are probably going to have more even to say than I do about the whole Ray Skywalker thing. I like it too. I don't have a problem with it. I probably don't love it as much as you guys do. Um, but I like this whole scene. But just the scenery of her going back to Luke's home on Tatooine, I think, is a fitting way to bring the saga full circle. Now I know some people have issues with it and they're like, Oh, Anakin's Which mother was murdered here. And, and Luke, yeah, you know, had a bad childhood. Leia's never even been here. I'm like, yeah, but where else are they going to go? Like, and this is, this is a moment that they're doing obviously for the fans, not necessarily Ugh, because not necessarily because it makes the most sense in universe, but I think it also, it's not like it, doesn't make sense you know like again where else is she gonna go is she gonna go bury him like in the jedi temple on coruscant like i mean i guess she could have that would have been cool too but um but I, technically i guess she could have buried it on paulus massa where luke and leia were born but, <laughs> <come> on. <laughs> i mean but come on i know this planet tatooine is star wars that is yeah. the quintessential star wars planet so yeah. I, I never understood that backlash but uh man seeing this for the first time i mean you knew it was coming when the old lady asked Ray who when she looks out. I just yeah. seeing Luke Leia's force goes. And I didn't necessarily pick up on this right away. I was just so entranced with everything. But Luke gives her the nod. Like, yeah, you can use it. You're a Skywalker. Oh, nods? I didn't even notice that. That's beautiful. Like it, yeah, it's... Oh, I just love it so much. And that sense of relief that came over me when she said those words. <laughs> it was like, oh, thank oh, goodness. Because it's beautiful. It's beautiful and it this is a great end to the Skywalker saga with her saying that the story that started with Anakin through Luke and Leia, they're gone now, but the legacy continues through Rey. It's just so beautifully done. I love it so much. I don't know about you guys, but I was a little worried at the very end where at the end of the celebration and it faded to black. I was like, it's not ending like this, is it? No. I mean, <laughs> when we saw the Falcon fly with the sand I was like, oh, whew, I know where we are now. I can have a feeling what's coming let's let's see what happens but i was a little yeah. worried when it faded to black because a star wars movie never fades to black it always goes into the credits with the fanfare and i was like for the last mm -hmm. one are they going to do it a little different but thankfully that wasn't the case and i cannot be happy with how this ended this is a i've always wanted arabia skywalker because again this is always about a story about a family I don't know if that was always the case. Again, we've, we've, got, we've talked a ton about this, but I'm glad after The Last Jedi, they decided to kind of rework it and make it fit into everything. And Ray Skywalker, I think, is a, is a beautiful thing. I love the message of be who you want to be. 
and you can you don't have to be what you were born into you don't have to keep you can you can you can strip all that and be whatever you want and a lot of people say like well I don't get why don't you, you barely even knew luke skywalker but I'm like the whole point is that she grew up hearing about this hero mytho- you know mythological character of luke skywalker and she got to learn it and she learned the skywalker family through princess leia through luke through kylo ren and darth vader about you know she even says to luke in the last jedi you know, she says a Jedi saved him about Darth Vader, and she's referencing Luke, knowing how powerful and what the family has gone through. So the fact that she rejects her family doesn't have a last name. She can just go by Ray, but she spent the whole trilogy longing to belong to something, and now she finally belongs because you know she has a connection to the Skywalker family. But the, what is the most famous last name of all of them? The one that she grew up knowing probably the best of as far as the family name is. The Skywalkers. So she's like, you know what? I'm a Skywalker because I want to continue that that family that showed me love. It just makes sense if you go back to everything. And I just, I, I'm sorry, whoever thinks that like doesn't make sense. You're, I just think it's, it's not even like a subjective thing. You're wrong. It is makes complete sense. And you, if you, if you don't, if you ignore Force Awakens and the even the Last Jedi, those lines that she says, she has a connection to that family and it puts them in a high, very high esteem. And Leia and Kylo and Luke are all Skywalkers and, you know, and by this connection. And so by this point, she needs to choose something that she belongs to. And she wants to, you know, again, it's only fitting too. the person that theoretically is haunting the Skywalkers. His one offspring decides to take that last name and move mm-hmm. on with it. And there's just a beauty to that. And so before I, I leave it to you guys, um, I, I, you know, we can debate this. I think that this is not the end of the Skywalker saga. And I think it's not going to come back for a while. And I've seen people online say, well, those continue 10, 11, 12, but it doesn't have to be a Skywalker. No, if you bring any episodic number down, it's got to be a Skywalker saga. And it's going to be about Rey. And I think the the best part about if they... and I think that's eventually going to happen. And it shouldn't be for a long time. But when they do, they'll reference, again, someone even said to me, you know, really exciting to see Ray Skywalker in the in crawl. And I'm like, exactly. That'll be really exciting. And, and it won't just be like, remember when you were Ray Palpatine and you changed your name? No, no, no. The whole point of this movie is that she changes her name to Ray Skywalker. She's no longer, she sheds that name and that whole legacy of Palpatine, it's gone forever in a sense to where it, by the time we pick up wherever she is next time, it's no, it's, it's Ray Skywalker. And that's what they'll always call her after that. And it won't be just, you know, Palpatine. So to me, I think we'll get Ray Palpatine again. I think we'll eventually get 10, 11, 12. If we don't, whatever, but I think we will. And it'll be Ray Skywalker. And I think it's, and that, I think it's there's something very beautiful about adopting a name and taking it as your own because it's not your blood that defines you. It's who you are that defines you. Yeah, well said. And I couldn't agree with you more. <laughs> and just not to echo with everything that you said right there, Paul, but it's just something that I, it's, the thing I love most about the movie and as you heard through the commentary we had some nitpicks and things we wish were done differently or that I wish were done differently or yeah. more epic like the end space battle but when it all comes down to it I am just completely pleased with the story that they took with Ray and where the saga ended on the note it did with her taking on 
the Skywalker name and just what that means for the whole saga as a whole. And as I make my way through the 4K box at watching each movie one through nine, I'm just looking at each movie in a different lens now, knowing that it comes what it leads to with this. And to me, it just enhances it. And that's I say it all the time. That's what I love about getting a new Star Wars movie, not only getting new stories that you enjoy, but also enhancing the ones that came before and finding new things that you can appreciate about it. And that's what I'm doing going through all of them now and just seeing how the story progresses. And I just can't wait to get to the sequel trilogy point in the 4K box that are watching those kind of, I don't know, back to back to back all in one day, but in pretty close secrets with each other just to have it all come home and come together nicely. So uh, that's I love the Rise of Skywalker for that and just what it did for the story, not only for the characters that were introduced with episode seven, but also to where it took the saga and ended it as a whole with the legacy of the Skywalker being, being passed down to Ray. So yeah, I love this movie too, Paul. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, you guys know me. I wish I loved this movie as much as you did. Um, I like, I do like the way it ends. I think, I mean, maybe it's, I don't love it quite as much as you guys do, or it's maybe not as meaningful or whatever, but I certainly don't have a problem with it. Um, and I think it certainly ends on just from a cinematic standpoint, like and a, and a thematic standpoint. Um, again, it brings things full circle. I think it's, you know, it's a satisfying ending. Um, as far as the movie itself, I mean, I've talked about my issues with it all along. Um, but there is definitely some stuff I like in there too. And it's not, you know, I don't hate the movie by any stretch. Um, it's just, uh, I don't know. It's, it's up and down for me. I think the jury is still kind of out on, on where this one lands for me overall. Um, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. I certainly enjoyed watching it with you guys. Um, I think I maybe found some new things to enjoy, uh, you know, still had some, some things that I have issues with, but I mean, again, part of the journey for me with this movie has just been coming to accept that. Um, and honestly, mm. this is probably going to be the last time I watch this movie for a while and not because I hate it or, you know, never want to watch it again or whatever, but I feel like I've almost been like beating myself over the head with it, trying to make myself get it or understand it or make myself like it. And I'm like, you know what? It's just not necessarily my cup of tea and that's fine. Um, and I still totally. like it because it's Star Wars, but you know, within, you know, as far as Star Wars movies go, this is not my favorite one. Um, and it's like, it's, it's okay. Like we knew going into this when, when Disney was going to take over and start making Star Wars movies, we're not going to love every single one of them. Everyone's not going to be a home run. We're not going to agree on every single one of them. So, um, you know, I, I've got eight other films in the saga that, you know, that I absolutely love and enjoy. Um, and you know, I, like I said, I, there's a lot that I enjoy in this one too. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I, and I'm honestly looking forward to kind of just stepping away from this for a while. And, you know, because for the past several months, it's been so much just watching The Rise of Skywalker and talking about it and reading about it and reading the book and the art book and, you know, and all this stuff. And I'm looking forward to kind of just taking a break from it for a while, enjoying, you know, Clone Wars and The Mandalorian and all this other Star Wars stuff that's coming out right now. And maybe by the time I come back to it, uh, you know, it'll change my perspective on it. We'll see. But, um yeah, that's kind of where I'm at on it for right now. That I think that's a great way to kind of explain it, Kyle, because I had to do the same thing with, with Last Jedi. It was really hard for me to just, you know, I had probably had a harder time with that movie, I think, than you with this one, maybe. I don't know. I don't want to speak for you either. But 
I, I definitely had to take a break from the last Jedi and just, you know, when I tried to accept it and had to bang my head, even though I watched it for a long time when it, after it had come out, it took me a while to kind of get behind just kind of moving on from it. And I think getting some space from it will do you, will do you good. And, and again, I, I'm, I'm, ho- I'm, I'm hopeful that, and it sounds like there's a couple things you maybe, uh, you know, might enjoy more because of work, watching it with us or whatever. And, you know, hopefully that's the case, but yeah, there's, you gotta give things time, you know, and, and I gotta say the, the prequel trilogy, I didn't love episodes one and two as much as I do now. It took me a while to kind of get used to them. And even though I don't love attack of the Clones, um, I, I definitely appreciate it more now after it came out on video than when I, when I saw it in the theater and same goes for episode one. And I, I have a huge fan of obviously episode three is one of my favorite movies, you know, Star Wars movies, but my point is, is that it took me a while to really figure that out. And so with that, it just takes some time. And, and not saying you're going to love it, but you may appreciate it more, you know, whatever. But giving it some distance will help. And I think that one thing I'm looking forward to, and I think I told, maybe we said it on the last podcast or whatever, but this is going to be just a saga for one. This is one saga in the Star Wars saga now. It's not the Star Wars saga. It's a Star Wars saga within the greater universe. So we're it's we're going to get different things in the future and it's going to be exciting and that this you know get we're going to have the mandalorian saga and there's going to be you know a whatever cassian saga now and there's going to be other big stories the skywalker saga right now or 10 years from now is going to be a small blip on the radar at this point um instead of being the only blip if that makes any sense so oh, there's a lot to look forward to yeah so yeah. i think the, the, the other thing, thing about, that i'm happy about too is you know the the fact that the final chapter of the skywalker saga didn't necessarily stick the landing for me has not like hurt my opinion of the saga overall or i'm not saying you know oh, this yeah. movie ruined star wars or whatever i mean i think partially it's the fact that there's so much stuff in here that, as, as I said, that I wish had been built up to more that feels like it's kind of just thrown in out of left field, whether it's, I mean, especially with Palpatine and Ray being a Palpatine and, you know, the dyad and all this kind of stuff. I feel like if if the nine movies had built up to this and then it was a big letdown, it would have been, you know, hugely disappointing. Um but instead, I mean, you know, again, this doesn't impact the way that I look at the other movies. And I'm definitely not one of those people that, like, hates Disney Star Wars and says, oh, these movies don't count. And the only Star Wars movies that count are episodes one through six because they came from George. But you can also, like, just watch episodes one through six and, like, not miss anything. You know, like the end of Return of the Jedi, it doesn't leave you feeling like, oh, I have to watch seven, eight, nine to find out what happens next. Now, I love these movies as well. And I think, you know, I, I like them as an as an extension of that. But, you know, again, it's well, like with the, the marketing for episode nine, where they're like, oh, this is the conclusion of a story 42 years in the making. It's like, you know, darn well that George Lucas wasn't building up to Ray Palpatine 42 years ago. So, you know, you just kind of take everything for what it is. And, you know, it's all one big saga, but they're all individual stories as well um and yeah this one doesn't affect you know at all how much i enjoy the rest of the saga overall so but the saga is now complete though yeah (laughs) for at least for a while but i'm under the impression for now 10 11 12 it's going to be a very long one longer than i think the gap between the prequels to the sequel trilogy and even the ot from the prequel trilogy but we'll see never say never with star wars obviously is what we learned (laughs) just by getting this trilogy yeah no i i think it'll be about 10 to 15 years 
I think I think it'll be less than ten years, but I or I hope it's not. I mean, that sounds weird to say, but I just think to continue on the saga, it needs a little more room to breathe than less than ten years. Yeah, I think so. I I think no more than ten years. It'll be it'll be. I'll be shocked if it's if it's not done within ten years because, guys, I'm telling you, especially if look at Disney now. I mean, we're recording this in there where Netflix is now theoretically they're worth more now than Disney as a, as a whole, because Disney is struggling because of the pandemic. You never know what's going to happen. And if star Wars is struggling and they need to, they need, you know, whatever, or let's say the sequel trilogy finds an audience a few years later where it's like, like the prequels now have an audience of a huge, uh, there's people who appreciate the prequels and they finally, you know, Disney finally went, Oh, people actually like the prequels weird. Um, you know, I think it could be a thing where they go, you know what? We can we can go back and retell. You know, people still love Ray and Poe and Finn. Let's go back and tell more stories. Maybe they'll do a, like like, a, like an idea I had where they have an animated series and that rekindles love for these characters. And and all of a sudden you they want to go back. You just never know. And if Star Wars needs to put out films or put out stories, and they they can always go back to this. And that's why I think they wanted to do the. Skywalker and they say oh it's over but leave the door cracked open just in case they need an emergency we need to you know do a 10 11 and 12 to kind of generate excitement back in Star Wars and then that's why I think it could be less than 10 years I'm not saying it should be less than 10 years but I think that's why I expect it to be and you know we'll see and and like like you guys said this is I think in the end never say never and you can always enjoy Star Wars any way you want but in the end, uh, Rise of Skywalker is uh, my favorite uh, of the sequel trilogy, and I'm with that. I will say I do. I'm glad it exists at all at this point. Yeah, I mean, you know, and again, I don't enjoy it as much as you do, but I certainly am glad it exists, um, and just you know, glad to be getting all this new Star Wars content that we're getting right now. Um, and like you said, certainly a lot to look forward to in the future, whether it's more from the Skywalker saga or whatever other saga they're cooking up next. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, yeah, our, our, I think, you know, obviously for all of us, our, our love for Star Wars and for these movies and this this saga and this whole universe will never go away. Um, oh, that's for darn sure. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, I think that's just about it. Um, we we did it. We made it all the way through the entire Star Wars saga in our yeah. uh, our commentaries um and like i said we may very well do some other ones now that we're done because this is fun i like you know watching star wars with you guys and getting to obviously we don't get to For sure watch star wars together in person nearly as much as we'd like to because we're all spread out far apart but um or when we do i'm like half awake and barely staying awake i'm like oh my gosh i was so exhausted <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, i have oh to get up gosh. i'm like I- three o'clock the next night <laughs> same here i remember yeah. when we were all at tim's house paul you were trying to get those those uh like original trilogy blu-rays or something working and tim and i were watching the mandalorian and i fell asleep on a couple of those episodes but uh, yeah i remember yeah 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 it was oh man but you know but this is this is the best and like i said we got not just clone wars episodes we can watch but we can watch those, those micro series episodes we could watch uh and Battle for Endor and, and Caravan of Courage. I mean, in, in all seriousness, I, I you know we could watch those and and whatever. But yeah, we, we we've got more comedy at some point. Yeah, um, and of course more regular episodes as well. This is you know it's, it's not like we're done with our show or anything like that. But we 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 we're, we're not we're not ending the show. 
No, but uh, yeah, it's it's been fun doing these commentaries. Um, hope you guys have enjoyed them as much as we've enjoyed recording them for you. Um, but uh, yeah, that's going to do it for this episode. As always, you can uh, check us out online. Follow us on Twitter at Star Wars TSC. Follow us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Star Wars The Saga Continues. You can send us email at Star Wars TSC at gmail.com and you can check out our website at Star Wars TSC.com for, uh, you know, all of our latest episodes that we're posting and news stories that we're keeping up with and all that good stuff. Um, but that is going to do it for now. Thank you all for tuning in and we will see you next time. And may the force be with you. See you next time, everybody. Godspeed rebels. <laughs>